What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 142 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of Wiley's Scale Modeling. Um, we got an, an awesome guest on the show this week. Um, a pretty good history in the in the in the you know model railroading and model building of all scales in general. So um, we have James Powell. Uh, he's from. He, he's already chiming <laughs> in. Uh, we got James Powell is joining us, and he's from Monster Monster City Studios, and he also has the Brickmaster.com, um, the Brick Roller, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Brick Monster. A Brick Monster. Oh my gosh! Look, I already messed it up. We're forty seconds in, and I've already goofed that one up. But um, that, that's okay. That's okay, Derek. Roll That's it. okay, Derek. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, <laughs> cool. the we'll let you pass. The brick monster. I love that this guy busts in. So I, okay. my handwriting is not very great, and I can't even read my own hand. That's a, a testament of how bad my handwriting is on these show notes. Thebrickmonster.com. And it's the brick roller. Uh, you can create your. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm going to put that on the shelf for it for now. Super cool. But um. So. Thanks for joining us, James. Um, I'm going to hand it off to my dad, who's going to do a little bit of a uh, an intro with you, and uh, we're just excited to get you on and talk with you. Sounds good. Very good. I'm, I'm excited. So, so, James, I saw your stuff on Facebook. Obviously, you were posting them to the groups. Uh, your your link to uh, thebrickmonster.com, and then of course you had some videos that you did YouTube videos. I guess they were YouTube. And uh, you were on there talking about your products and everything else. You were so enthusiastic, and and uh, it just it, it caught my attention. And I watched what you were doing with it, and I thought this is a really cool thing. I got to get them on, okay? And I want to talk about that because I w- I love seeing new products and new ideas that I that aren't so common or not so common to this hobby coming into the hobby and trying or any, you know, be it model railroading or uh, military modeling or whatever kind of modeling. I love seeing the new product come in. I love seeing new people stepping into the business of it. And, uh, the model idea of it was great. And so you caught my attention with it. And, uh, then I found out after I started talking to you, invited you to the show that you have a whole other History with model railroading is fascinating, and I want to talk about that tonight. This is going to probably take a little bit of time, but um, no thanks problem. for thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Of um, course, of course, I, I I really appreciate the fact that you uh, you gave me a ring and uh, that you allowed me to be on here because most people would bar me from shows like this. <laughs> now the uh, the the bar you, yeah, come on. Now the monster, the monster, <laughs> monster City Studio is your business, but you have created yeah. this thing called the BrickMonster.com with the Brick Monster. They're like rolling pins. Okay, give it, give us a little intro to you before we get into that. I want to hear your history with model making and uh, you know what you do that way, and then how you got into the model railroading and out of it. Just a brief history. Of you, of James Powell. A, a, a brief history. Wow, that, that's uh, got to be quick. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's not. Actually, uh, so I started model building about uh, probably 40 years ago. Um, I'm, I was really little. 
Uh, my brother at the time, he was a lot older than me. I was six years old. He was 18. He had a model railroad uh, in our basement. Yeah, it was like a big train set, really. It was on a huge ping pong table. Uh, and un- unfortunately, when I was six, he got he was involved in a motorcycle accident and passed away. And uh, here I was left I was left with these trains, right? And I was I was six years old, and they were like, "Nope, you can't play with them. You're too little." But by the time I was eight, they finally allowed me to uh, have my own little train set, I guess you could say. And I would say from there to the time I became about eleven or so, I kept adding four by eight sheets of plywood to it. So it eventually became this. Uh, a little bit more than a train set, but, you know, it's something an 11-year-old kid could do. Yeah. Uh, fast forward a little bit, and I, on PBS, the uh, Kalmbach Publishing had the Model Railroader Video Layout Tour series, right? And mm-hmm. they were playing it on our local PBS, and I think it was like 1986 or so. And I, I found those, those videos, and I'm watching these layout tours of people like uh, – David Barrow and Malcolm Furlow and, and just amazing layouts, uh, Alan McClellan and the Virginia and Ohio. And the very first one was this layout called the San Juan Central by Malcolm Furlow. And all the other layouts were cool because they were all trains, but I saw that San Juan Central and being like an 11, 12 year old kid, my jaw dropped. Man. I was like, what the heck is this? This is awesome. It's like having Disneyland in your house, you know? Oh, so, yeah. Uh, so I had this, you know, train set thing once again. It's like some four by eight sheets. Uh, and my mom said, you know, we have this whole basement and it was at one time furnished and, and uh, we, it didn't, we didn't use it anymore. And she said, why don't you build something like that in the basement? <laughs> and I was like, no way. You know, she said, I'll buy the wood and the track. And so here I end up with this 40 by 15 foot layout when I'm 12 years old. Oh, right? oh my well, gosh. I mean, no, it was crazy. You know, single mom, <laughs> she completely supported me. I had a buddy down the street that was into model railroading. Um, he got the model railroader magazine, so I didn't have a subscription to it. So I always borrowed his copies. And, uh, uh, I really, really got into it. Like, I mean, super nerd fest. I would, that's all I did. <laughs> with trains, man. So, I mean, I love the scenery. That's what I really got into was the scenery. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I learned all about locomotives and trains and I couldn't get enough. We'd go to the tracks and, you know, we'd get the VHS camcorder and film trains and just, <laughs> Oh God, it, it was non. You were, you were so in the deep end really, pretty quick. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't quite the level of the guys that wear the vests and the hats at the train shows, gotcha. but you know, we, I bet if I was older, I would have been, um, so <laughs> I was really, I was really, really into it. And then of course high school came and I owned a music store for a little while and kind of got out of it. But, uh, once I got around like 22, 23 years old, I, um, I started really getting into Celios. I got his book. You know that book that came out in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Franklin I, had it. I think everyone has a copy oh, of that God. somewhere. I, I don't know how many. I, I think he still has like 5,000 copies. Of he does. But, <laughs> he has uh, them up there. I know yep. he does. Oh, I, yeah. I, I've had the chance to visit him probably three or four times. I, I just I love that place. Uh, <laughs> so I got that. And, man, I dug through that like you wouldn't believe. And I'm like, okay, I got to get back into this hobby. This is awesome. These, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, I was a big, 
I was a big John Allen fan. You know, right. I love Malcolm Furlow, John Olson, but God, I like the Celio stuff. It just blew my mind. These huge buildings and all this trash and, it, oh, yeah. it was so busy, but I loved it. You know, a lot of people complain, well, it's so busy, but man, that's what oh, it me sucked in. Me, it buildings. sucked me into the hobby. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, totally. That's so cool. So so I started building a little diorama, and um, I brought that to an NMRA uh, convention and won a merit award for it. And then I, you know, so I, I tinkered around with it for a little bit. Uh, I had a, a buddy in college, he, he wanted to build a layout. Uh, we built a little layout. We actually started another uh, model railroad company. It was called DP Industries. We were around for three or four years. We had a product called Bago Junk. <laughs> we, we actually <laughs> sold like a bag of castings and and, and rust dust. And it, anyway, we went. <laughs> we used to go around to the train shows and sell that stuff. But um, fast forward to about uh, 90, 99 or so, I built a house in, outside of Cleveland. And it was a really good sized place. And we had a huge basement. And I said, you know, I'm going to build a layout. I'm going to build a kick butt layout. And I'm going to kind of take the idea that if Celios's layout was modernized up to the 50s or so, something right. like that. Mm-hmm. And so I came up with this idea for this thing called uh, the Wiscasset Trevino and Western. Uh, it was on a website called TrevinoCircle.com. And I was blogging about this every night. My, my wife, actually, my ex-wife, had lived in, uh, she lived with her parents 60 miles away because she was teaching and she'd come back on the weekend. So I had all week after I got off work, I was a programmer, got done working about two, three o'clock in the afternoon. And then until like one in the morning, I just built every day, every day, every day, (laughs) every day I'd blog about it. So I'd take pictures and, um, I'd write about what I built. And I garnered a pretty big following really fast. By the time I shut that website down, like a few years later, I had like 5,000 email subscribers. Wow. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I got a lot of great contacts through that. Met Dave Ravella, uh, mm-hmm. through that, uh, a bunch of the big, big name models. And, uh, also met, uh, Art Fahey, uh, from Marvel's mm-hmm. models. Right. Uh, I, I put a bunch of his billboards. That's when he was only making billboards. Uh, worked with him a little bit, uh, uh Wrote the first instruction manual for the Idaho Falls Hotel, which was his first kit. Cool. Uh, so it did that, you know, really got into that stuff and then kind of got out of it because I decided only after a couple of years, I said, you know, my dream in life is to get into the miniature business for movies. Right. You know, to work for like an, an industrial light magic or somebody like a Stan Winston Studios or something like that. And I said, I'm never, ever going to be able to do anything like that if I stay in Ohio. You know, it's just not going to happen. So uh, my wife at the time, I said, hey, you know what? You got some friends out in California. Why don't we pack up everything and move to California? That was, I mean, huh? uh, yeah, yeah. Well, she was into it, too. She, you know, I hated the cold, you know, and it was, it's clean. Oh, man, don't even get me started are not fun there. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You guys know what it's like. I mean, you're in Pennsylvania, right? So, yeah, we're in uh, if I could pay to never shovel, if I could pay to never shovel again in my totally. life, I would. I would pay dearly, uh, dear amounts of money to never have to shovel in my life. Uh, yes. I, I remember <laughs> as a little kid waking up at four in the morning because my mom had to shovel the driveway to go to work, and I'd get out there and we'd shovel the driveway, and it seemed like it snowed a lot more then, and maybe it's just because I was little and I remember it because of all the snow. 
But God, it sucks so bad. Oh, I hated it. But, um, you know, so anyway, so we moved out here. Sorry, I'm out in my garage and there's a heavy, heavy equipment pulling, driving out. Oh, you're good. Um, so, uh, so we moved out here and I was programming and it allowed me to move out here because I was kind of working at home, right? I was working virtual and the company that I was working for after we were out here for six months, uh, called me up and said, Hey, we decided to close the business. So I'm out here on the central coast of California in between four hours from LA, four hours from San Francisco and had nothing. And I'm like, what the hell could I do? Well, I, I had been, I was back in Ohio. I had started building some really crooked models, you know, like scale models, like O scale, mm-hmm. but they were crooked. They looked very cartoony. And I thought, you know, why don't I kind of over like that overemphasized look? Yeah. Very kind of Disney ass. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I actually met up with some guys that had been following me when I was in Cleveland and they were building tree houses that looked very similar. So, uh, we actually got together and, and, and kind of joined forces and, and had this treehouse slash playhouse company. And we, we got very, very popular and well-known and we, uh, build a lot of stuff for celebrities. Well, when you're building playhouses and treehouses and the wealthy buy them from you, they say, sure. can you add a character? Can you add this? Can you add, so we started really getting into foam, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, making foam sculptures. And that led to eventually me moving to Fresno, which is in the Central Valley of California, and uh, and having a company that uh, we we make props for movies, we make things for uh, a lot of amusement parks, all the big amusement parks, China, Japan, uh, Hollywood, uh, L.A., Orlando. We make stuff out of fiberglass for them. Uh, a lot of the big movie studios we make things for. So yeah, it's a it's kind of, it's kind of grown and it, it really all started because of model railroad. Right. It started because I played with trains. You know? <laughs> wow. And, uh, I, I, I've only got to live, do a little bit of film stuff, which is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy when you get to see your, your name in the credits. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't quite get to where I wanted to be for building miniatures because everything's kind of went digital, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, right. but I have a lot of friends now in that industry. So I know a lot of the, a lot of the guys that, that do that kind of stuff and, and I get to be around it. So it's, it's really awesome. Uh, I have a lot oh, of fun. Cool. Uh, and, and so I really, about four years ago, I got back into, uh, four, let's say about six years ago, I got back into model building. My girls were really young. Uh, they, they started getting older so we didn't have to watch them all the time. So I could spend a little time at night building models. And, um, I had a friend of mine, uh, Matt Gidley, who he's probably one of your listeners. He's a, he was a, a follower back when I had uh, TrevinoCircle.com. He called me up one day and he said, hey, there's this show that's casting for some people that, that uh, they need some model builders. It's going to be like this model building competition for History Channel or something like that. Oh, so cool. I called them up and, and, and they cast me and one of the guys I work with, uh, who's also a, a really good military uh, builder, um, John. And uh, we went on there and lo and behold, we go on there and we got – one of the judges is a guy named Ian Hunter who won the Oscar for Interstellar. He just won for First Man two years ago. Uh, I, 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 I'm familiar with Ian Hunter. Yep. Uh, Ian's, Ian's, oh my God, he's fantastic. Well, him and a buddy of his was on there, and then a guy named Meg Menes, uh, which uh, he brought in all these paints with him from this company called Ammo. I wasn't very familiar <laughs> with them. 
I knew there was there was a company called MIG uh, at one time. I knew about those paints. But I didn't. Anyway, uh, how, hey, wait a minute. Was just, how, how do you let what? me hold you up? Hold you up. How do you pronounce yeah. his last name again? Jimenez, like Jimenez. Jimenez. Okay. okay. Right. I'm My wife's Mexican, so I get to learn to do Spanish. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I heard. I listened to the podcast where you were talking about AK weathering products, and I heard how you pronounced it. We butchered it how badly. You Vallejo and yeah, <laughs> Vallejo. Uh, yeah, Vallejo, uh, and yeah. Uh, I think I was calling uh, him was Jimenez. Yeah, Jimenez. Yeah, yeah. No, his name is Mig Jimenez. He's a okay. really good guy. He was, and I'm not uh, making but, fun of his uh, name. Okay. I just didn't know how to pronounce no, it. No. Also. Hey, you're from Pennsylvania. I mean, yeah, what, do you, exactly. what do you know about the Spanish language, right? right? We're, we're, we're Pennsylvania so, Dutch, um, right? You know, and Irish. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, me too. I'm from Ohio. I mean, come on. Right, so, exactly. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, uh, so he, we built this 8-foot by 16-foot diorama mm-hmm. uh, of the, the landings at uh, D-Day at Normandy on, on a beach that was called the uh, uh, Dog Red. And uh, he absolutely went nuts. Now, here is a guy who literally is probably considered one of the best best model builders in the world, right? Like, top of – I mean, he's won international awards for his weathering. Like, I, he, he owned a huge company, right? And um, he is literally, like, in tears when I'm doing my water. I, he's just, oh, my God, James, this is – I can, this is gorgeous. And he – came to me and said, Hey, you know, I, I, anything you, you, if you ever want help from us, if you know, you want to talk about mod, just give me a call. And I didn't know the significance of this until afterwards, right. you know, once I started researching, you know, that he started AK, you know, he, he so he had this big productions that kind of, mm-hmm. he had some issues with that. Then he started AK. There were some issues with that. Then he started ammo. And I mean, talk about the influence this one guy has had in oh, yeah. fine scale model building. It's it's just crazy. But Mig, a lot of people don't know, he started as a model railroader. He started by walking in the railroad yards in Spain and looking at weathering on trains. I mean, he was a train guy. Oh uh, wow. He wasn't, you know, a military guy. So it's right. crazy how how it's kind of come full circle. But um so so that's how I kind of uh, got somewhat involved in ammo. I just actually this week, I just had an article published in uh, uh, their weathering magazine. Uh, it's actually called the weathering magazine. I, I uh, built a uh, Higgins boat, which is one of the, the landing craft they used in Normandy. Kind right. of the boat that won the war, they call it. So uh, yeah, you showed me a photo. It's there. awesome. Yeah. 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 It's really fun. So I love building models. I love railroads because I love structures. I don't love the train part. I'm like you guys, you know. Uh, trains uh, actually, are cool. It, actually, it, we're we're you know, we're structure guys, not train guys. That's but, what uh, I mean. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like oh, you guys. Okay. I'm, oh, not, okay. yeah. I'm not into the trains. I'm not into the trains. <laughs> I know about them, but I'm not yeah. into them. I'm I like them to a degree. Guys. I mean, they're there. Oh, you know, I like I, them because they they give they move. You know, right? And, and so they give part, you some kind of motion. Right. And they're a part mm-hmm. of. They're a part of uh, every town and city has trains in some way, right? It's a, uh, yeah, of course, and we're all over the globe. So you know, it's, I'm, it's great. I'm a huge history buff. You know, I love history. I love mm-hmm. you know studying Victorian era and 
And so trains has been, you know, obviously that's why the United States is what it is because of the railroads. Right. So, right. Um, sure. yeah, I love that part of it, but my passion in model building is structures and scenery. Yeah. I love scenery. I love hand carving rock. I, I love some, anything that's challenging. And for me, the railroad stuff is like, you can buy them and weather them, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't make them anymore. I'm yeah. interested in making buildings. I like making a scene, you know, right. um, in more ways than one. Right. When we have trains on our layout, we're going to make sure that they are all, you know, finally weathered and everything else to the best of our ability. And, um, you know, we want it to look like that. The few that we're going to have will look, you know, great. I mean, well, we think they'll look great. You know, I've never tried it, so they might suck. But (laughs) I, I highly doubt that coming from you guys, but you know, they, I, the, the, you got to have the complete scene. So of course, railroads are going to be part of the complete scene, but that's, that's just like kind of our outlet to, to be able to do structures. I mean, I can't get enough of doing structures. I love it. You know, um, uh, unlike you you guys, uh, like you guys do a lot of kits. I Mm -hmm. pretty much scratch build or kit bash everything I do. Um, I, I know you guys do a lot of kit bashing. I don't really ever build kits straight up. I don't know if I ever have, um, even back, you know, 20 years ago on my layout, I don't think there was a straight built kit. And I even (laughs) thought about, I built the, uh, the fine scale miniatures in Emporium seafood. Right. Right. And I was thinking, yeah, I I built, I built that as a kit. And the guy, guy online the other day, he goes, wow, you kit bashed the hell out of that thing. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I guess I did. I didn't even think about it. You know? uh, so, and, and that's 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 one of my favorites, by the way, from from Celius. Oh my word, that one is uh, uh, is great. Oh, uh, so good, so good. Um, now, when with the uh, structure building, you say um, you you like to um, scratch build. Uh, did you find yourself doing more scratch building with clapboard, or were you? I, I did see a a, a brick structure. Uh, that you would put a photo up this week on one of the groups or several of the groups, and it had uh, some stucco on, and I did something very similar to that. I loved it. It was it, yours was way better than mine, but um, uh, that was really cool. Uh, how you you changed that structure around? It was a, I think you said it was a DPM kit, and then you put yeah, the uh-huh. stucco on the outside, and it just looked awesome. Um, it, it looked better than the stucco buildings that we see that are for sale. Um, so yeah, that was, that was sweet, but well, if you see, if you see run down vermin infested stucco buildings, yeah. I guess, uh, it might look a little bit better. Than <laughs> well, you know what? To yeah, us, I, that's I, what, we, we want our stuff to look somewhat run new. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if a roof doesn't have a little sag in it, I don't like it. You know, right. if it doesn't have that character, I have a really hard time. And you know, that's probably because I'm super, I'm just a super heavy handed sloppy mauler and I don't want to measure anything and I don't want to keep anything straight. <laughs> so I use that as an excuse. Well, it's got character, right? Yeah. And really, yeah. It's, it's just, hor- it's horrible model building, but <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, Brett, really, he doesn't I, like the, he doesn't like measuring stuff and going, uh, yeah, he just kind of does it. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I'm exactly that way. I, um, that's awesome. I thought you fell asleep over there, by the way. No, I, I was dealing yeah, with something I, I, else. I know where to go. Is he, I, is he building a kit or something? I was over here. No, don't. I don't even want to get into it. Um, I am here, though. I was listening. Um, I was. 
I had work in the middle of this, so it wasn't not uh, my okay. ideal thing. I'm sorry, my bad. My no, bad. you're good. You're good. It wasn't what I wanted to do, anyways. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I do not measure stuff though. I um, even last night, I don't know if you guys were following along with my live build. Uh, the A little bit, yeah. The yeah. kit, the kit instructions were saying to cut the corrugated siding to like exactly three foot lengths. I mean, exactly yeah, three foot no widths, way. and dude, I don't have the patience for that crap. And I, and I'll tell you that right out. Like, I'm just gonna cut it. I'm gonna eyeball it and cut it. And uh, um, I know Jason's very that's, much like that as well. Yeah, that that that's really part of the creativity yeah. of uh, of model building that I love. I don't, you know, I, I've been talking to Jason for uh, about three years about this one project I was hired to do to do a, uh, a F scale version of the uh, um, Awani Hotel that is in uh, Yosemite. And I hate it because <laughs> I have to make it proper. You know, it has to be right. And I can't put my little spin on it and make, make any, there can't be any, I don't want some caricature, <laughs> but there can't be any character to it. It's got to be nice and clean and straight. And, oh, right. You're removing, I hate it. You're, I mean, I, I, you're removing all artistic freedom from it. All of it, you know, and, and that's, that's one thing going back to monster city studios and my, my business is that a lot of the stuff we do comes from the Imagineers or comes from, you know, uh, uh, universal studios creative and it's already all designed for you. So as cool as you think it might be to build that kind of stuff, there's no creativity in it. You're just making it right. Someone else already you, created you, it. You have to, it's exactly right. So there are, there are a lot of times when we get to do our own creations and that's super fun. Um, I was actually today found out we get to do a cross section of a world war one trench from nice. the trench wars. So that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, that's, that's, awesome. that's going to be our own kind of design. Yeah. And what but, size, um, what scale are you going to be able to do that in? That's full size. Oh man. So that, that's going to be, be like, you're walking, <laughs> that's you're gonna be walking crazy. through a trench. So in a way it's, we call it themed environment. So it's like model building. It's recreating something and it's super weathered and, but it's full size, right? You're going to be, so it's, it's not like immersive. really model building. But it's, it's, a, it's an immersive environment. That's, that's exactly. It's an environment. That's, that's going to be wild. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's awesome. So that kind of stuff, we love doing, obviously, you know, the, the, the pre-designed stuff that pays the bills too, you know, but yeah, it all kind of comes back to this, what we're talking about with scale model building and being able to put your spin, you know, it's all for me. And I talked to Jason uh, about this quite a bit. It, it's all about invoking that emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, you want your, you want to take your viewer and transport them back to a time that, Maybe wasn't, but they they feel like it could have been. Like they're there, um, and, right. and and it maybe invokes some memories of childhood or something like that. And that I know that's that's you guys are doing that too. I mean, that's kind of we want it to feel good. I when think we're making these things. I think you know? the, I think the cool thing about what and we're kind of and I'm, I'm sure you you're familiar with it because you've listened to us now. Um, a lot of what we're doing is freestyling stuff and. But but we're freestyling it within a realistic, like, we're keeping it real, but we're going a little overboard with some stuff, too. So, you know, it it gives us some freedom to embellish a lot of stuff, but it's within a realistic, you know, uh, it's it's not so outlandish that you're like, that would never happen. But 
it's fun because right, you can right. you can it's take it to cartoon. the next level. Yeah. Yeah, and and I completely agree that there are things that as model builders, hey, today I just saw you know that we exaggerate the nail hole controversy, right? <laughs> That's been around forever, you know. Yeah. Um, I I do it. Uh, George did it. it all it, the big ones, I, all the major modelers done it. it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's like. Is it, is it, it's not really nail holes per se. There's <laughs> hopefully nails in there that are rusting, but it gives that exaggeration, you know? Mm-hmm. And, right. and, and, and it's not really exaggerated because I've seen hundreds and hundreds of buildings. I've seen it, pictures in real life of buildings where you can see where the studs were and where the nails were because, you know, rust streaks happened. It's just, right. it's just what it is. And, you know, of course, George does it. I mean, he's a master. And, right. and I'm looking at the building I'm working on right now in front of me. It's got nail holes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so yeah, there are things we're going to exaggerate. There are things we have to make a little out of scale because, you know, with laser cutters and 3D printers, things are getting really good now. You know, they're right. really close. But, you know, windows, if they're laser cut, are not necessarily going to be exactly, exactly to scale. Things are going to be a little bit over scale. I personally make things over scale uh, mm-hmm. to ex- exaggerate certain things. Um, sure. Like I just did a thing with a bunch of uh, cedar shake shingles where I hand laid the shakes one by one and I made them out of real shakes. But I wanted that. I wanted to be able to raise the grain and really see the grain in it. So that's it's something that, yeah, the, the, the shakes are, you know, a scale foot wide. They're too right. big. But in the overall scene, they work and they have details. So uh, it just really depends on uh, what you're trying to convey. But I also do really enjoy trying to convey the realism, just like you guys do on your layout. Right. Your layout. Uh, you know, there's certain things that I'm really into that, that I want to get into my scene that I, I use uh, uh, the, the visor. Uh, what's it called? The, uh, Opti- the down visor. The Optivizer, I use, I have a couple different Optivizers and I use it all the time because I can't see, I used to see great until I got back into model building and noticed <laughs> that I can't see anything. Uh, so I had to get an Optivizer, but I love being, using that Optivizer and getting there and doing those little details. Like yeah, me too. Something that's almost, yeah, something that's almost like impossible to do. You know, I love doing that. And I know that when you so- take that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. No, no, you no, I was just saying that I, I, I do those little tiny details with the Optivizer knowing that nobody else is going to see that. But you know, I it's, know there. it's there. Yeah. Yep. To me, it's yeah. important that it's there. And, and I'll, I'll be able to look at that say, okay, yeah, nobody's going to see that. But I know that that's complete the way I wanted it, you know? Yeah, yep, totally. Well, you know, it's another thing that when you're – you know, I listen to, I almost always listen to music, except lately I've been listening to your podcast, but uh, <laughs> I'm listening to, to my music and, you know, I'm rocking out and I'm zoomed in there with that Optivizer and I'm doing a little details. It puts me in a zone, you yeah. know, it's for me, it's like almost like a Zen zone, you know, where you're yeah. just kind of like so, so relaxed. And you, oh yeah. And you step back a little bit and look at it and go, that's cool. Yeah. You know, that's where I that, that, I love that feeling of, yeah, this thing is awesome. You know, yeah. this is really what I want it to be. Now there are some times when I make something and I want to smash it because it turns out horribly, but, um, <laughs> you know, yep. <laughs> oh, many times. I think we all had that too. Yeah. 
And, and you know, that, yeah, that yeah. detail thing for me, um, that's a problem for me. I, I'm a slower model builder than a lot of people because I spend, I take one wall and I'll spend most, you know, several nights on just one wall working just the tiny itty bitty details and how the, the, you know, it's not just enough that I want the paint to peel, but I want the paint to peel in certain spots and right, uh, right, you know, sure. expose certain details or a hinge on a, on a, on a door frame, you know, it's got to have the right amount of rust and not too much rust. It can't cover the whole hinge and nobody's going to zoom in that close on that hinge, <laughs> you know, but I know, you know, that's what I, I'm talking I'll tell about. you. It's, it, it's like, um, you know, it, I'm kind of torn because I like building super fast. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I also like putting in a ton of detail. Right. I'm in that boat. I'm a little bit faster builder than my dad is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like like I said, back when I had my layout and I was I was kind of blogging it, I was trying to my goal was like to build a structure a night, you know, or maybe a structure every two nights if they were a little bit bigger. Uh, now, admittedly, a lot of the buildings I did had three sides, two sides because they were going up a hill, and sure. they all didn't have backs. You know, you hear Jason talk about well on my layout, you got to you can kind of see all the sides of the buildings. Um, I do on purpose. I don't want to see all the sides of my building, so I don't have to build the whole thing, right? Exactly. So, uh, you know. So, and but, that gives uh, you a lot of extra pieces and walls to uh, uh, slap something extra together. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, right. You could you could take one building kit, and make two or three buildings out of one building if you're only making basically background buildings. Right. Exactly. Uh, not. Not to not to say that I don't love detailing a whole building, but I like getting it done. But at the same time, I like having an awesome amount of detail. I love taking pictures of my stuff and going, "Yeah, that looks you know that looks impressive. That looks like something people would really like." You know, <laughs> um, so so uh, it, there's that kind of fine line of I want to build as fast as I can, but it also has to be really good. So. I'm usually a little bit torn by that. You know, I'll, I'll say that with all the, with laser cutters and whatnot now that craftsman kit building has almost become, it's really fast compared to what it used to be. Mm -hmm. When you used to build the FSM kits that were like, you know, the, uh, the original Celios kits before it was using a laser cutter <laughs> and everything was hand cut oh, man, yeah. you know, board by board by board construction. Uh, I love that, but wow. That takes. It's a time. It's rewarding suck. when you're done. Yeah. But you're like, okay, I got a, I got a month, and I'll have one building. <laughs> yeah. You know, now it's, it's like, hell, exactly. you, you, yeah. you can have a good looking. Yeah, exactly. So, right. I did Baxter's so, uh, that, not long ago, and um, just the the main barn style building of Baxter's uh, was all board yep. by board. And this is the biggest structure on there, and it literally yep. took me a month to get it done. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. The rest of it all the rest you were, of it all went real quick. And you were working like yep. a couple hours a night every night for that month. Like you yeah. were you were cranking yeah. that thing out. Oh, that was crazy. So you, you know, and you look back at like uh, like I was talking about the old Kambach videos and the, the layouts in the eighties that were mm -hmm. built, you know, through the sixties and seventies and you know, even John Allen. When those guys were building layouts, their layout, they would have that same layout for their entire life. Yeah. Right? They would build it and, you know, here I am going to start on my, I don't know, it's probably fourth layout. 
you know, uh, <laughs> look at Jason. He's on, he's on his third layout. You guys, this isn't your first layout. You know, it's, uh, it, 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 it allows us to, to kind of build a lot faster and have that satisfaction a lot, mm-hmm. a lot quicker. Sure. But, uh, but, uh, I, you know, I can't say enough about those guys that were doing stuff in the, 40s and 50s that oh, you yeah. know could almost almost stand up to today's standards. You know, and you I, mean, mentioned- I look at. I, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I no, I you go. You keep going. I'm gonna go another direction. I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was just gonna say about you know John Allen. I mean, mm-hmm. I love. I love John Allen. The Goring defeated. Oh, yeah. uh, oh man, his Florida ceiling mountains. Uh, oh my word. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was lucky enough to uh, Keith Trinity, who's a guy that he lived in, owned John Allen's house since since basically the fire happened. Um, mm-hmm. He lived there. He moved out. You know, in two thousand nine. Actually, he just gave me two of John Allen's stools that were in the layout. Oh my! Um, uh-huh. They're all charred, but they're in the they're in the Mott railroading with John Allen book. You can see those exact stools that I have here in my garage now. They were John Allen's. That's uh, awesome. That's I mean, it's like, I, that is I feel like, so cool. Oh, the the one the one sat in front of the original his little original Gory and Defeated the little loop track uh-huh. you could see in the pictures the one stool is sitting in front of the exact oh same gosh. one you could tell by the pictures uh-huh. that it was sitting and here I have it in my garage and I'm just like that is so cool hopefully I'll get some good vibes from it you know yeah but, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah that's so but yeah he that guy man I'll tell you he influenced Celios I mean Celios yeah, yeah. layout originally was like you know he. Celios originally had the mountains going down to the floor, and he was making a valley, you right. know, on the on the uh, where the where the roundhouse is. Boy, did that take a side. turn! And that valley was going to the floor, and you were going, "Yeah, oh my god, oh <laughs> god, that original trestle that was there, and oh." But he was he was kind of he did a lot of stuff that was replicating John Allen's work, like right. his one train station was a John Allen train station, and and uh, now obviously he's he's changed it a lot. But uh, yeah, that guy. I'll tell you, he that he was so ahead of his time. The stuff mm-hmm. he was building in the forties. You know, think yeah. about that. That's that's eighty years ago. This guy that's was building crazy. stuff that could could you know could stand up to today's modeling. And right, it's crazy, it's crazy. Right. And I, you know, you mentioned uh, San Juan Central, of course, and we're gonna get into that in a moment yeah. here. Um, the uh, that book is. He had a book yeah. called Building the San Juan Central. I had that yep. book as a comeback book. And um, right. I had that as well back in the 80s. I got that. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first started really kicking into the model roboting thing. I was uh, newly married and didn't have um, – it was a couple of years before Brett was born. And I started getting into it. And I, that was one of the things that you know I religiously read along with – that book, which I'm holding in my hand that you mentioned earlier, The Fabulous Franklin and South Manchester Railroad by George Selyus, the photo book. And mm-hmm. it's funny that I look back on it now. And when I, I look at these the photos and things, and I've taken more photos with my own camera, uh, millions of sure. them. Uh, Dave Kruiswick has been uh, sharing some of those and a lot of his as well on his mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. one of the groups. And, and, and yep. anyhow. Um, the book is uh, the photos were all taken by Dave Freire, and I think that's funny because now, as an adult, later on, these are the guys that influenced me. I got to meet George Elias. I got to see it in person. I got to talk and meet with and Dave Freire and had him on the show a couple times. 
And isn't that just the most like, and you've been through this too, um, James. Yeah. Isn't that just like, it's so surreal that when you grow up and you look at these people's builds and you look at what they're working on and you look at and you admire and adore everything they work on and finally you start talking to them and they're just like, they're no different than you. Like they're just, yeah. they're just creating uh, stuff. And it's, so, it's so cool to talk I'll, to them. I'll tell you that, you know, in my job that I have now, I've met a ton of celebrities because of the type of stuff we do. Mm-hmm. And, but when I was, when I was a kid, when I was in seventh, eighth grade and I was having the layout, these model railroaders, they were my celebrities. Yeah. Sure. I remember calling. I, I wanted to go see Alan McClellan's uh, Virginia and Ohio. I remember calling him and I was like 13 years old. Right. And I'm like trembling on the phone. Uh, <laughs> Mr. McClellan, I, can I come see your railroad? It's completely <laughs> respectful of sure. what they do and how much of an influence these guys had. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Malcolm, the first time I tell the first time I talked to Malcolm, I was probably 22 years old and I was trembling then. I mean, I was yeah. like, Oh my God, I'm talking to the Malcolm. <laughs> this guy, I own, I own his railroad. Yeah. So now let's get into that. Where, how did yeah. you end up owning the San Juan central? Okay, so so I told you a little bit earlier that I uh, had briefly had a company called DP Industries, and we made stuff, uh, HO scale railroad stuff. And uh, I advertised in the narrow gauge and short line gazette, you know, with Bob Brown. And um, I opened was it was it that it, it, was, it basically the long story short was that I opened a magazine, and it had a little ad. I think it was in. Maybe it was in Railroad Model Craftsman. Or, yeah, I think it was RMC. Uh, there was a little ad, and it was really small, and it said it had the San Juan Central logo. And I was a huge San Juan Central fan, and I saw that logo, and it said, Malcolm Furlow's original San Juan Central for sale. Oh, and no. it was in uh, New Oxford, Pennsylvania, not too far from you guys. Right. Right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was in Cleveland. and. It was at the, uh, the the train store there, and I was like, "There's no way the San Juan Central somebody's just selling it." And they only they well, I say they only wanted it's a lot of money, but they only wanted five thousand dollars. And I'm like, "Holy cow! I can get the San Juan Central." I said, "Somebody bought it." There's no way, but I'm going to call anyway. And I <laughs> called, and they said, "You know, a lot of people have called and people have come look at it, but nobody's bought it." And I said, um, "Sight unseen, I want it." I, you know, I whipped out the credit card. I was like, <laughs> I want that thing. That thing got me into model railroading. I mean, seriously, I was like, I could buy the San Juan Central. So I, I, I talked to my girlfriend at the time and I said, you know, I'm going to buy this railroad. I don't know where to put it, uh, <laughs> but it's what got me into model railroading. It is the coolest thing ever. And she's like, you're a freak. And I said, yeah, you're like, I'm, I'm for this show. Right? I'm totally just going to put the cart before the horse right now. Just going to yeah, buy it exactly. and then figure it out later. <laughs> Yeah, you're 22 years old. Two grand's a lot of money, right? Right. Sorry, five grand's a lot of money. So, um, so I I drive out there and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm running a U-Haul. I rent a U-Haul. Drive out there in the U-Haul. I get to this this. It was a really good train shop at the time. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was, it was really cool. I can't remember the name. Paul, I think it's Paul Hobby. And they bring me into this. Back oh, room. yeah, Dad. Oh, that, yes. Th- this is only like that half an hour from you, right? This is Dad. This is yeah, it's ten minutes. 
It's ten New minutes. New Oxford, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Ten minutes east of Gettysburg. It's right on Route Thirty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I, yes. I've been there. Yes. We we live yeah. twenty minutes we're like, from there. We're both. My dad and I are both twenty minutes from that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so it was in so, a real car. It you, was the shop was. Yeah. Well, the Sorry. shop was, and then they had a store. No, it's okay. They had a store in, in that was off to the side. It was in a brick building. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, let's go back into this. And there were some layouts back there, right? Mm-hmm. And but there were no lights. The ceiling was like this plaster ceiling. It was caving in. Uh, I mean, it was really not, it wasn't well kept at all. It was not nice. And they go, well, here it is. And I look at it and I go, oh, crap, I just spent $5,000 for this. (laughs) I mean, it it was trees. I I was like, this is not the same thing that was on the combat video. But then I started looking at it. I'm like, oh, my God, it is this railroad. But it had been. The fascia had been completely repainted. The tree, bunch of the trees were missing. I bet you half the trees were missing. There uh-huh. was plaster from the ceiling. You know, it had that the building it was in had the old uh, lath plaster uh, ceilings. So the plaster had fallen on it. There was dust. I mean, probably eighth of an inch of dust over the entire thing. Uh, you know, anybody that really knows about the San Juan knows that originally it didn't really run all that well. I mean, you can even tell in the videos the combat yeah. video that the train trains are really jerky. You know, right. Malcolm wasn't one for, for really making trains run. Well, he was a photographer. He was making right. a scene, right. He, he wanted sure. to take pictures. And I, I was like, okay, well <laughs> here it is. <laughs> um, and I wasn't, I thought I was going to be like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I mean, the water was all, you know, dull and uh, keep, there was no, so we packed it up. I took it, and then for the next probably year and a half, my buddy and I that I had the company with, Andy, we just started refurbishing it and going and getting as many pictures as we could. There weren't tons. There were the magazine pictures, the book. Um, sure. There were a few other that were out on the out on the Internet, but not many. Uh, and we started, you know, just cleaning the thing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a bunch of the original rolling stock. Uh, all, all the buildings were there. And right. we, we rewired it. I mean, I, God, I, it looked like he, his solder joints. Oh God. I love Malcolm to <laughs> death. He's a great modeler, but wow, <laughs> it was not, it was not good. Um, so we completely redid it. We did a really, really crappy video on how to, uh, how we kind of restored the San Juan central and we right. sold, uh, I, I don't know. We sold some copies of VHS tape, um, and people every once in a while ask me if they can get a copy, and I won't. I won't put it out there. It's so bad. It was in 1996. <laughs> we digitally edited it in 1996. Now imagine, that's when you had to. We had to get a one gigabyte hard drive. Oh man! And it was like a thousand dollars for the one gigabyte hard drive. <laughs> I mean, it was it was so. It it was horrible. And was back horrible. then, but that was like top anyway. of the top for storage. Yeah. Oh my God! A one gigabyte ultra wide. <laughs> a whole gig. Drive, that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, a whole gig. Yeah, we were coming up from like 480 megs or something. Anyway, so I, I had it in a in a garage, uh, and then I planned to move. But I said, you know, as much as I love this thing, I've, I've refurbished it. I've taken a ton of pictures of it. Um, I, I don't really want to haul it around with me, you know. But now it's clean. And now I feel better about it because it's not the piece of junk it was. You know, we made remade a bunch of the trees, had to repaint things. Uh, and so we were advertising, like I said, in Narrow Gauge and Short Line Gazette. 
And I said, I'm going to put an ad instead of doing our normal DP Industries ad, I'm going to put a San Juan Central ad to buy it. And I think the day after I called Bob Brown and said I want to put this ad in, Charlie Getz, um, I don't know if you guys know Charlie Getz, the, the president or former president of the National Model Railroad Association. Um, I don't know. If, he, I, I've heard his name. Okay. Well, yeah. Charlie has wrote articles for the Gazette for a million years, right? Charlie is, he lived up in the Bay Area, um, lives up in the Bay Area, really, really good guy. Uh, he, he calls me and he, he worked with Bob and they were good friends. And he says, uh, James, I see you want to put a ad in the Gazette and you have the San Juan Central. He said, I've loved that thing for years, you know, since 84 when it was in the magazine. And uh, would you just maybe sell it directly to me rather than running the ad? And the ad was already had to go in, right? So we put a, a sold sign over top of the San Juan Central logo in the, in the magazine. And uh, I sold it to Charlie. And we created it up and shipped it out here to California. Uh, we were in Cleveland. And uh, Charlie, Charlie was able to bring it into his house. He had it there for a number of years. He, could, he repainted it, restored it more than what we did. He's a track guy, right? So he got that all running uh, really, really well. And part of the deal when he, um, when he sold it to me was that he was going to donate it to one of the museums, either the NMRA Museum in Chattanooga or the, uh, the California Railroad Museum in Sacramento. And um, sure enough, it, it's sitting there to this day in the California uh, Railroad, State Railroad Museum in nice. Sacramento. Um, yeah. I, did, I did just see a picture of it, and I'm really I'm sad. Uh, because they had the entire thing enclosed in plexiglass, yeah. and it does. That's not the way I feel that that railroad should live. I get it. Mm. You got to do that because people are going to touch it. It's super fragile. Sure. You know, most sure. of the scenery on its foam. You know, it's like right. a lightweight yellow foam, and, uh, and being from the eighties, it's already rotten, brittle. You know, but it's very brittle. Yeah. So um, I get it, but it's just sad that you know you got to take pictures of it through plexiglass. Yeah. Um, I have not been up there to see it. I've only seen pictures of it online. But, right. you know, that thing, being able to have that in my possession, that getting, you know, it got me into the hobby. Yeah. And that was so cool to be able yeah. to have that. I actually, I kept one of the boxcars. I still have boxcar number 46, which is all throughout the, the book, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in the magazine articles. <laughs> I had to keep that. So now I have a John, John Allen's uh, personal stools. Uh, uh-huh. And the kind you sit on, not the other kind. And uh, <laughs> and I got a boxcar from the, the San Juan Central. So oh, that's, so cool. that's really, really cool. And it also, I was able to, to uh, talk to Malcolm, I don't know, many times on the phone, asking right. questions about uh, about that. So uh, having, having the San Juan was really cool. I got to see some of his tricks for photography. And I've probably somewhat implemented those into my own uh, model building. Um, you know, John, uh, John Olson and Malcolm, those guys, late seventies, early eighties, man, they were, people got tired of all the Malcolm furlough articles and model railroad because it was every month, you know, yeah, there's right. a story about how I think it was the, the Denver narrow gauge convention back in like 87 or something. People were showing up wearing pictures or shirts with Malcolm's face on it with it crossed out like the Ghostbusters symbol, <laughs> you know, because it was like they, everything yeah. was Malcolm Furlow and you either right. love him or you hate him, you know? Right. So, right. Uh, but yeah. So and they just uh, had enough. I mean, it was, it, it was overdone and um, it was overdone. It was all right. the time, all right. the time. Yep. 
But, you know, one of the first articles I really ever did see in Model Railroader magazine was the Carbondale Central. I don't know if you're aware of that. I am. He did a layout. Yeah, sure. The, the city scene, the Carbondale Central, which was kind of like a Celios right at the beginning, right at, well, as Celios started developing his layout. Yeah. Um, and that, that thing, God, now it used a lot of AHM and kind of like uh, model power type buildings and stuff. But, man, it had the weathering. It was just really cool. Right. And, uh, yeah, it didn't really get as popular as the other layouts. The Carbondale Central was a really cool city layout. If people haven't heard of it, uh, it, it it's a really cool layout. So so let's, uh, let's take a, a side tour here and get to the Brick Monster your new thing with your brick monster yeah. and how that and yeah. how that came about what because it's sure. so cool i i looked i watched you do it on a video and uh it, it's like a rolling pin that puts a brick pattern on uh, you know on clay or foam and um i i was just i you you on the video you were very enthusiastic with it and it's 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 <laughs> excited about it and you got me wound up into it and i was like oh this is so cool so, and um, it's one of the reasons why I first reached out and contacted to you, but now I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm now fascinated with you, but um, the, um, <laughs> you know, what, 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 where did it come from? Uh, well, you know, tell us about it, you know? Got it. Got it. Okay. So, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It kind of started because of COVID of all things, you know, a weird, weird deal. Uh, right. I've been, uh, so I've been getting some stuff from there's a company out of Spain called, or I think they're out of Spain called green stuff world. And they make like little leaf punches. I don't know if you guys have seen those. You can, I see them, but they don't have an HO, but I see them. Yeah. Right. 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 They make uh, texture rollers, but all their texture rollers are like for war gamers or, um, not even military models are very whimsical, like right. steampunk style textures and stuff mm. like that. Just, they have some brick textures, but they're really big. And I thought, man, we got these really killer. I, I, we're uh, we're representatives for uh, Form Labs, a 3D printer company, right? Um, and so we got a couple Form Labs 3D printers, and they're really high end. They can print really, really good stuff, and super. I mean, you could print little HO figures like nothing. I mean, just wow. super detailed. And um, and I I do I use a program called ZBrush in my everyday work, which is a the the premier 3D modeling clay program there is out there and uh i said you know what had happened was we got shut down here in california our company got shut down because we were a non-essential company uh right at the beginning of covid right they said hey everybody close you're you're non-essential well we came up with this idea to start making face shields and ppe so we're able to bring some people back to work and so we had to set up like a, a sales website because usually the stuff we sell is really big so we don't sell it online so we set up this sales website where we could sell stuff online. Uh, we started selling PPE. Well, after that kind of started slowing down, I'm like, you know, what, what else can we make that we could sell through this, you know, sales website? And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool if somebody made scale brick rollers, you know, just like Green Stuff World does, but, but stuff that's for us scale model builders. You know, whether it's the military modeler, modelers or the S scale or HO or O scale modelers. Right. And so I, so I went on, I went on to ZBrush and I drew up this roller and we tested it out and the bricks were wrong size, but it, it kind of worked. And we tried it again. And we, we, we had went through, I don't know, 10 different prototypes 
And we finally got it to where like, hey, will you put this on your favorite product, Todd Sculpey? Um, you, <laughs> if, <laughs> if you take Super Sculpey and you roll it out really thin, right? And then you roll this brick roller over top of it, it immediately makes you a sheet of brick. Now, I mean, there, there's obviously brick products out there. You know, you got Monster Model Works and Jimmy Simmons. That stuff's amazing. Awesome, right. awesome stuff. Sure. Um, uh, it, you know, and there's other guys out there like uh, Randy Pepperock, Downtown Gecko, and uh, Randy stuff's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but, you know, if you want to scratch build something, you want something that's really easy to cut, you know, uh, yeah. Sculpey's super easy to work with when it's thin. So I said, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's try terracotta regular Sculpey. And it was kind of gummy and it didn't work really well. So I thought, what if I took the terracotta Sculpey, roll it out, and then put it in the freezer? So it kind of firms up a little bit, almost like the super Sculpey. And I tried yeah. that and it worked out perfectly. And I'm like, oh my God, I have three colored bricks that all I got to do is put washes and mortar on and it makes bricks. It's, yeah. This is cool. So what else can I do? Can I make a little window punch that makes the arched little lintel up at the top and makes a window frame? So we made one of those. And then we said, why don't we make a roller that, that makes what I would call a rotten brick wall where some of the bricks are missing and, you know, and the courses maybe aren't perfectly straight. And so we started playing with it. And we said, why don't we sell these things? We have this website. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, we have an awesome mold making shop. I mean, not only do we do, you know, uh, you know, 3D printing, but we have right. a really high-end mold-making shop. These guys are phenomenal. So John is is one of the greatest mold-makers I've ever seen. So I said, let's let's cast these things. We'll print them out in 3D. We'll cast them. And let's just sell them. Let's offer them to the public. And so we did that. And we said, you know, 3D printing is really expensive. The resin is really expensive. Mm-hmm. The mold-making is really expensive. This isn't our... This isn't our business per se. It's just kind of a side thing to help out. So right. admittedly, the rollers aren't, aren't cheap. I first made a set. And I'm like, I'm going to put them out there individually also. But the thing is, is you can scratch build brick buildings with, if you are a, if you are a scale, fine scale builder, I guess you could say like we all are, you know, listening to this podcast with right. a little bit of patience, you can scratch build your own brick buildings with windows anywhere you want. You know, we're going to probably make some different window styles, door styles. Uh, and, and it's super easy. I mean, you can, it, it, it's like, how can, how, how easy can you get it? Play. <laughs> right. Yeah. You roll it up. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just taking this stuff and I'm putting on, uh, uh, just spackle, like gap spackle. Mm-hmm. Right. Smear, smearing it on. Uh, really tight, you know, do like a, almost like a, a, a really uh, tight layer. Uh, so I don't leave a lot on there, let it dry. And then I come back in with like a, a nylon brush and wet that brush and uh-huh. I wet the spackle and I, I kind of scrub it all out. So I don't leave so much in the cracks. Right. Right. And, right. and then take, take like a, di- a dirty water wash in the industry. We call it dirty water. It mm-hmm. literally is like a raw umber and water mix really thin brush that over the, the, the mortar you yeah. know, so it weathers the mortar, so it's not bright white. Maybe leave yeah, a couple areas bright white. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you leave the bright white for the efflorescence where, you know, you get that coming out of the bricks. Sure. And then, you know, to take it a step farther, if you want to make, like, stucco walls. You were talking about those stucco walls you saw me make. You're the second person uh, that, that ever used that word, by the way. What's that, efflorescence? Yep. Yep. You and Doug Fiscali, yep. the only two that ever used that yeah. word on our show. <laughs> well, that's... 
that's when you that's when you see that that white stuff coming out of the bricks. Yep. You know, like a a really a poorly done house has sure. that white stuff coming out of the bricks. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, yep. Um, you know, and, and you can wash it out with acid, but you, you want that on your old brick buildings. You get that sure. all the time, or the or the the black mold stains, or right. you know, uh, and and so I once again I go back to taking the optimizer. Once I roll that out and I got some of the and, and you can paint your bricks before or after whatever however you want to do it, mm-hmm. but I go in there with a really like double zero brush and some acrylic paints. I use I use Bocal when I was doing that website. Everybody used like Poly S or Floquil yeah. or right. Model Master. Not and anymore. I just yeah. preach. I know I preach the heck out of using Delta Ceram coat. Yeah. You know. I use Delta Ram coat. People are like, how can you use that stuff? And I'm like, I love it because yeah. I can sit there and mix. I can make a little palette. I have a little wood, mix my own colors, you right. know, and it's and awesome. It, we love that. I, stuff. I loved it. That, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. So, uh, I love, I love crafting. And everybody a, thinks, a hobby lobby. They, yeah, everybody thinks they use, everybody uses flow cool stuff. And I know some guys are doing this where by there and they have some left. I mean, finding it is a nightmare, <laughs> but, it's but, impossible. uh, yeah. When we were up there last year visiting George, uh, we, the, we, he builds right now. He uses craft paint for just about everything, you know. Yep. And yep. Uh, he showed you know, us it, his collection of craft paint. It was cool. It it's really improved, you know. Yeah. Like I say, in the past twenty years, sure. you know, I was buying, I bought Apple Barrel and stuff, and it was really bad. It it was it would separate and it wouldn't cover, and that's yep. why I used Delta Ram coat. Now everything is like the ceram coat, fine yeah. grain. It's really saturated. You right. can really get good deal with it. So I love craft paints. I mean, I use them all the time. Sure, so, and even the um, cheaper ones now are, you know, are when better. When it comes to like the ammo and stuff like that. Oh yeah, no, no. The cheap ones back then. I mean, you try to paint <laughs> something with yellow. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna put like thirty coats. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be horrible. like it was horrible. Back it's then. gonna be an eighth of an inch thick when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> well, um, you know, you can't. There is no pot. There is no cloak wheel anymore. So, yeah. Um, but those military modelers are still looking for that damn driftwood. They're yeah. still out there looking for that driftwood. They love that color. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, anyway, paint, paint the walls with the craft paint, and then once that's done, like I say, I'll 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 put the. Uh, put the uh, spackle on there, kind of wash that off and then go in and dirty up the mortar. And then I use, uh, ammo, like oil brushers. Um, mm-hmm. and you, you, you might even have some in a little oil package we sent you. Oh, um, there. I, I haven't uh, opened it yet. We're going to check that out in a little oh. bit here. Oh, um, wait, wait, I haven't opened there. the box. No, we haven't. We've, we've saved it for so, the show. Uh, well, I guess. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, so with the, so I use some of that stuff on the brick monster uh, walls, and boom, you know, th- there you have it. You have a wall that you can integrate into a wood building, or it, it's just a really, I think it's just a really cool way to add some extra detail. It's really fast. I mean, Sculpey, um, whether you like it or not, it cooks really quick. Um, right. It's fine grain. Use, using the terracotta, you have a really good brick colored base to work with. Um, I, I still don't. What what is the actual story with you not liking sculpting? What happened? You tried to make a oh, oh no, no. Yeah, I tried to make a seagull because <laughs> I couldn't find a seagull in this. And we told this story oh. about eight times, but 
We have, uh, I, I was trying to find seagulls for our waterfront. Couldn't find any. I was like, you know right. what? I'm going to. I'm going to make some. I watched a YouTube video. <laughs> Somebody out there had made had made some kind of a hawk or something in an HO scale. And I was like, I can make oh my a, God. I'll make a, I'll make a sculpey out of skull. I'll make, I'll use a sculpey and I'll make some seagulls. And um, <laughs> so I sat out there with my wife and we're trying to, I had little tiny pieces of wire I cut and I, and I tried to form them up and, and I I was really happy with how they came out at first, you know. And I was like, because ah, yeah. you know, all in all, it's just clay. And we kind of formed it with our fingers the way he did. Put this thing, right. stuck the stuck the, uh, the 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 piece of wire in its butt, and uh, and then put it in the on a cookie tray and cooked it or whatever, baked it, and and it came out and they were fine. And then I painted them in the seagull colors, which was you know it was not bad, but. Uh, and it looked great to me at the time. And then doing a live build. I was doing some kind of live build on it, Facebook. Bunch of the guys were on there. Dave Cruzwick. I don't know if you're familiar with Dave. Mm-hmm. But sure, uh, sure, yeah. Dave was on there. And we were all joking near the end of it. And it was a gas station I had built. And um, I had done a whole diorama scene on like a uh, maybe 14 by 12 inch sheet of, of foam. And it had all the, you know, the dirt and the and the groundwork and all the, all the scenery stuff done. And I had a car sitting there and then we didn't have any figures on yet. So I said, let's get, I said, what do I got here? So I I put a couple figures on and then I took this Sculpey bird just for fun to show them the Sculpey bird. (laughs) Everybody that I just done the week before. And I stuck the thing. And hilarity ensued. Hilarity ensued. It's like a pterodactyl. It was it was monstrous. It was just and then we got oh a skill dog. I had a painted skill dog in a box and I pulled it out and we sat it next to the it was like a golden retriever sized dog. And this this yeah. seagull was bigger than that dog. And we're all Oh my god. Up. I had tears. Everybody that was on now they're typing, of course. So everybody was yeah. on there saying, Oh my gosh, I, can't, I my side hurts so bad, we're laughing so hard. <laughs> And we, we were. It was just a. It was just a funny night. So ever since then, we've had the Sculpey thing. Now there's a there's a Sculpey design somewhere. Um, that Dave, did you come up with that or Dave Cruzwick designed that? No, I just made right. a really badly designed Sculpey from the the picture okay. of the one you made. It's it's a poorly designed bird. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it Dave came similar up similar to what we did. Dave and came up we, with the name. Yeah. And I just made the crappy logo. Yeah, Sculpey <laughs> the Seagull. Right. So and now we created a oh logo. We had T-shirts. We sold T-shirts, and he showed up at the at the uh, um, fine scale show up in Albany, and we were up there. <laughs> Dave comes up to my table, and he's got the Sculpey T-shirt on. He's walking it's around. It's got the funniest thing. It's got a so, the T-shirt. The, the T-shirt from there. The T-shirt's printed with a sticker like the "Hello, my name is." Um, it says "Hello, my name is Sculpey." Right, it, right. It's the most obnoxious thing I've ever seen, but <laughs> it's great. So when we went up to see George's layout, with we went to see George's layout with Jason and and uh, and uh, we all met there. Everybody flew in from everywhere. Yeah. We we took a tour. We spent five hours at his layout. It was awesome. And oh, wow. um, and yeah. we gave uh, I gave 
Dave wanted my original Sculpey. Uh, I had like <laughs> you put it little, in. I had a vial of them. I put the bird. I gave Dave the bird, and he put it in a. He put <laughs> it cool. He put it in like, like a, a his, prize. You should have kept it for a little. Oh, go ahead. Hello. Are you there? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Are we there? His... Yeah, I'm here. You said you should have. Yeah. It was like a prize. You should have what? Hello. Oh, oh, yeah, no, you, you guys should have kept them and used them as like uh, awards to give away to the to the patrons or <laughs> well, something like that. It little, gets little uh, trophies. It gets even better. <laughs> so the story continued. Okay. After that, so Dave put it. In, Dave put it in like a little historical preservation glass dome, the original Sculpey, um, next to a Abraham Lincoln <laughs> something. What was that? Really? A- Abraham Lincoln stamp or something, Dad? Something he had. He keeps it in the same glass I, dome. I, I, it was something he had that he values. Yeah. And and that and <laughs> oh then God. and then on top of that, Dave found a site where he can make custom pins. Um, and I got to give these away. So maybe maybe all the patrons will get one. I'll send one to all the patrons. But we have we must have a hundred Sculpey yeah, we'll, we'll pins. We'll send one out to you. We'll send you a Sculpey pin. I'll send them to all the patrons oh, yeah. just to send them out because yeah. what what it's one stamp. I'll send a bunch that of them is out. Cool. Um, so we have like a hundred Sculpey pins in the basement now. And, uh, and didn't, didn't we give one the, didn't we give one the George Celios with a koozie? Yeah, we have one that George, George has one. So George, has a koozie. George has this Sculpey pin and we had to explain this entire story to George Celios when we were up there. And, and, and he's looking at us like sure. we got an arm growing out of our forehead. Cause he's like, what the hell are these guys talking about? <laughs> He, he could be a kind of a serious guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it was a, it, the joke didn't quite get, um, yeah. you know, res, it didn't it didn't have the quite the same effect because he didn't watch the live Facebook thing. And but, either way, he took yeah. the he took the pin, he took the koozie, he was happy. Um, but, That's what uh, I talked him into doing our show. Yeah, right. Right. How Reynolds was there. And uh, Hal was standing there with me. We had Hal on before, and he's like, "I told George, I said I want to I'll get you on the show." And he goes, "Ah, I don't know." He said, "I've done a bunch of shows, mm-hmm. and I don't. I, 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 I had a lot of people show. I'd never done a. I don't. He didn't know what a podcast was. I don't think. And he right. goes, "Well, no, you know," no. he said, "Um, I, I've, I've been asked to do a lot of shows. I turned a lot of them down, and I just not. I don't want to do that." And I said, "Well, you're not. You're not going to be on." You're not, we're not going to show you. You're not going to be on video or anything like that. And then I said, hey, Hal, come on over here. You know, <laughs> I had him talk to him. I said, hey, tell him about the podcast, Aww. you know. And, and then Hal said, yeah, yeah. He said, I had a good time on there. He said, you got to do it, blah, blah, blah. So he said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So, which was. Yeah, uh, George is like a really awesome. good guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's, then that, he's a really then, good guy. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's uh, he. He, he he's very 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 humble for people that yep, haven't met totally. him. Totally. Um, yep. He's just and, and you know I don't think he even knows how good he is sometimes. You know, no. but man, the guy's the sweet sweetest guy ever. He's yep. he, in addition to his modeling. He's a. If we got him on. He wouldn't stop. It was great. We it was like listening to your. It's like sitting around listening to war stories with your grandfather. You know. But in addition, awesome. yeah. And, yeah. and in addition to his building and his just pure art, artistry is is. He's a heck of a nice guy, just sure. in general. So he's very, he's extremely generous. On top of that, so he is. Um, he is. So, no, so no yeah, that's the, that's the whole Sculpey thing. Sculpey saga. And, uh, 
Now, now you have some window punches that go with your yep. uh, the brick monster thing as well. So that yep. you know they tie in that as well. The window punches. People have to go to the yeah. You know, our listeners, uh, by the way, go to the brick the brickmonster dot com and check out this stuff. This is really cool. I'm gonna get on it. We're gonna get some of this stuff and we're gonna try it out and uh, have a good time with this ourselves. But um, definitely go to that. Now, the, the, the punches, how do they work exactly? Well, you know, you know here's the thing with the punches is, is that you have to use the, the courses, you know, to keep your you – you want to keep your windows obviously plumb. Um, you, you can't really do what you can do with wood where you can make things sag a little bit. Bricks yeah. don't really work that way, you know? So, yeah. um, no, you, you punch basically the impression of the window and the frame, and it also has the sill bricks and it has the lintel bricks in it. Uh, you punch that in, and then you take your, take your whatever your wall is, you know, lay out your, your uh, windows where you want them. You can also use that, that window for a door frame, too. Uh, right. And you, you, take, you do it on a piece of parchment paper, a piece of wax paper, you, and then you, you bake it. Once you bake it, then you take an exacto knife and cut out the infills of the windows after the fact. You don't want to try to do it beforehand because it's clay. So it's going right. to get all mushy and, yeah, it's not going to work. But, you know, really, I look at the Brick Monster. It's, it's kind of a, a it's an accessory, uh, you know, for creativity. It, right. It's not it's not this perfect, hey, I'm going to do this and it's I'm going to be, you know, have instant buildings. You, you right. have to be patient and you have to be creative. But yeah, once you do, the end result is really, really cool. And, yeah. and that's really what it's for. You know, we're talking about, um, once again, not to step on any manufacturer's toes because we are not trying to do that at all. But right. we want to do things like like streets, uh, mm-hmm. you know, roll, rollers where you can roll out either sidewalks or you can roll out streets. Exactly. You know, we actually give a, a oversized cobblestone roller just because we had them in, in, the, mm-hmm. in the kit. Um, we we want to do things like uh, manhole covers. You know, we talked like, you've talked about that before. Uh, like oh, yeah. Laser cut manhole covers. So you can just, wherever you want to put in a street, you just use the little punch and you punch in a manhole cover or uh, sewer grate, things like that. We want to have these little accessories. And once again, it's just, it's just in, to accentuate other people's buildings. This isn't, I, I, I see the Brick Monster as kind of a, it's not a product in itself. It's just to help out other products. It's almost right. like an, so, an, an add-on to everyone else's things. Yeah. And it's, Where I can see it being that's, that's really cool is. is making, like, if you have, a, let's say you have a wood structure and you want a foundation and you want a brick foundation yeah. for it mm-hmm. or a block foundation okay. for it, that would be great. You could make the size that you need for your foundation. Um, there and, are and, hundreds of applications where this kind of stuff is going to oh, come yeah. in handy, and well, you, you, and that's one thing where with the with the brick foundation, right? You can get a little wild with the roller. You know, if you push in a little bit harder, you wiggle it a little bit. You mm-hmm. can get a little bit of weird weird courses, and and you know something that's got some interest to it. On a wall, you wouldn't necessarily do that, but on a foundation where the building right. might be sagging in a corner yeah. or something like yeah. that. You can't you can't do that with you know hydrocal or with laser cut. No, I see. Uh, even this in ena- this enables you to even in the photo you have of the one eighty seventh ho new brick roller. Um, mm-hmm. On the right hand side, it even shows like the the variation you could have 
in the lines on the yeah. mortar. Um, but no, but but it's a good thing because, like you're saying, if you have if you're using it for a retaining wall or you're using it for foundation, um, it might not be 100 percent straight if it's been up there for five or ten or fifty years. You know, um, red red bricks not always it's not always 100 percent straight. Sorry, I had to whistle. Well, My dog at... was doing. He was laying on the ground here, <laughs> and he was running in his sleep. Going, it's National Dog Day. I guess he was running to a bowl of food. I can't. But it was driving me nuts watching it, so I had to whistle. Sorry, I whistled there. Well, <laughs> what, well, one thing I was thinking about, Brett, you were talking uh, a while back. You were you were out doing a run, mm-hmm. and you saw a, a an empty lot in a building that had been torn down because it burnt down. You know, a lot of those, and I'm no mason. But I know I've looked, you know, living in Cleveland, been downtown. I've been all over the East Coast. I've totally studied buildings. And even here on the West Coast, if you have two buildings that were side by side, um, sometimes there was a lot of infill brick in between the buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and those courses are not necessarily straight. And you get a lot of that rotten brick. And it's just, it's a horrible, messy wall because it was, a lot of times, you know, it was just getting covered up. It was, and yeah, they knew it was hidden. So, exactly. So, you know, you, you could roll out kind of a messy course and and put that on, on the side of a building where another building might have been, take and, uh, take and make some, like, rafter holes with a piece of wood. You can stamp, like, where rafters would have been notched into uh, bricks uh, and bake that in. Uh, you could do stuff like that that just really would add a lot of detail. And you could do it with the clay because it's clay. You know, you, you could sculpt it. It's not hard yet. You do whatever you want. Right. Uh, so that's kind of the advantage is a lot of people have asked for like stack stone and random stone and maybe brick and stone mixed, which is really interesting when it's done right. So, you know, I'm thinking about doing that. I was actually working on what I call a, 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 a super rotten wall today where like almost every brick is either completely deteriorated and missing or it's just all crumbled. And uh, there was a, there's a wall that George uses on his layout. Um, it was the trains of Texas wall. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but there's these brick walls he has on some buildings that look really rotten. And that wall was actually a kit that was for a very short period of time. Malcolm Furlow had a company called trains of Texas out of Dallas. And that wall was in one of these kits. Well, somebody had taken three of these walls and stacked them up and made a big mold. So if you look at his building, that's uh Oh, God, there was a, a big bean building. I think it was in Manchester. Uh, uh-huh. there, there's so many of the buildings, little small buildings, where the brick, and the brick looks all rotten, and it's got a ton of character. That's that Trains of Texas wall. And oh. uh, I, I have loved that thing. I mean, and so that's, I love that style where some of the bricks maybe have been missing, and they filled it in with maybe a vertical brick or a couple vertical bricks. Um, it just has so much so much character and George used that a lot on his layout right. and once you start looking for it you can pick it out everywhere um, but uh, yeah I want to I want to do something like that some like excessively rotten brick walls uh, who knows you know one thing with Sculpey I, really quickly I want to say that I did on uh, my Trevino circle layout which is kind of a cool thing let's say you have some rocks right like a rock outcropping and you want to have a uh, like you want to have uh, uh, maybe they poured concrete up to the rock outcropping and build a building on top of it. Uh, it it's kind of hard to sculpt that by hand, but you can actually put Sculpey in where you want that concrete foundation. 
and then take a bunch of basswood and uh, basswood strips and you press it into the sculpting to make it look like the old horizontal concrete forms, right? Mm-hmm. And then as, as, as long as your plaster, your, your, your layout is plaster and not a lot of foam, you can take a heat gun or you can take a uh, hairdryer on high and really cook that sculpey. And it won't cook it all the way, but it'll cook the outside layer of the sculpey to where it hardens up. And you can paint right on there and leave it on your layout. And it'll never deform. So oh, you can wow. actually sculpt directly on your layout and cook it with a heat gun or a hi- uh, hairdryer and paint old concrete on it. And it looks awesome. It looks oh, so wow. cool. And you just take little, little basswood strips and push it. You know what I'm talking about, the old concrete forms where yeah. they're uh-huh. like uh, – horizontal board you could do that it just it looks phenomenal it's just an easy way to fill in like uh uneven surfaces that you want to look like they maybe put concrete forms there one time uh and it maybe butts up against rock or something i like never that. even thought to do that well there we got a great tip there mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i used to do building foundations like that if you're going up the side of a hill or something like that mm-hmm. uh, literally you could build the foundations right on the layout with yeah. like terracotta sculpey you just cook it right there and it, it works you just got to make sure you don't have any plastic or foam right. or you're, you're going to melt it but as long as you maybe keep a wet towel over top of that or something and just cook yeah. your sculpey it'll it'll cook like the outside 16th or eighth of an inch right who cares what happens in the inside of it because you have yeah. you have now have a solid surface so um, oh, i've done that idea. a lot and I, it looks it actually looks really cool and now you're gonna have to make a concrete um, form roller uh, yeah, probably will. That would be a really cool idea, too. Yeah, so it, the only thing about rollers is is if you want to not have repeating pattern, you have to have a bigger diameter roller. Mm-hmm. So as we're doing, like, the, the 35th, uh, and we just actually did kind of a – I want to say it's like a pseudo kind of Frank Lloyd Wright-style roller. Uh, for a, It's kind of taken off of one of his buildings he did in, in uh, 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 here in Los Angeles called the Ennis House. Um, but if, if you want to not have a repeating pattern, you have to make a big roller. We have one roller that's three and a half inches in diameter. It's huge, oh, you know, so, but you could make a really cool HO scale roller if it was that big, sure. you could have a massive non, non-repeating wall. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's cool. That's what the brick monster is. Like I say, it's just, it's kind of a fun thing, fun to have around. If you want to do like a little bit of, you know, I wouldn't try to make a giant building with it. Uh, right. it might get a little tedious. But yeah. if you want to make one, two-story structures, something like that, it's, it's certainly fun. Put a little cornice on the roof. And, yeah, and, it uh, might take a little practice, really cool I stuff. guess. Probably take a little it practice to get used to it. You know, the first one you may yep. might look like a, a Dr. Seuss thing, but but uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, yep. the, the, uh, yep. now you also had some foam that you had in a box you were talking about. So what's the foam? What's the, yeah. what's the deal with the foam? So, so the reason we have this is we have – when we make we do a lot of fiberglass work for the amusement parks, right? Mm-hmm. And pretty much everything you make for the large amusement parks, when you carve sculptures, when you carve characters or whatever, walls, whatever it is, they specify you have to use this kind of foam, right? So we use this four-pound yellow urethane foam, okay? And we use urethane foam because you can put fiberglass on it and it doesn't melt it, okay? Um, we have pallets and pallets and pallets of this scrap that are weird sizes. It's hard for us to put on our robots or our CNC machines. So what we decided was this stuff is awesome for model builders to make terrain, to make anything. Like you guys are doing your harbor and you want to sure. do like, uh, you know, like harbor walls, you know, uh, 
put that in there, throw some plaster over it, whatever you want to do. You can carve rocks and do anything you want with it because it's pretty detailed stuff. Right. And we just said, why don't we take a, a USPS half half a cubic foot shipping box, fill that up with chunks of this foam, you know, cut the foam up and yeah. sell it. You know, yeah. we don't have to throw it away. You know, right. so that's what we're doing. It's really, it's really expensive. I mean, I, I remember buying this stuff. They used to package it in these little like four inch by six inch packs and sell it at Michael's years ago. And it was like 20 bucks for four, four inch by six inch. We're selling a half right. a cubic foot for 25 bucks. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's cool. You can use it for all kinds of stuff. So yeah, rocks, that's cool. I mean, car, carve rocks like for days with the stuff. I just I love hand carpet. Rocks and you um, you demonstrated you can use the roller on that foam. Oh yeah, totally. You could yeah. take and, and take the texture roller, push it on the foam. You can cut the the foam. You can cut with a bandsaw, handsaw, whatever. Um, one thing you can't cut it with is it's not like your hot knifeable foam, like your styrofoam, your white styrofoam, right. or your pink or your blue. You cannot take a hot knife to it or a hot wire. It will create a gas that you don't want to breathe in. So <laughs> right. you got to do you, Not a happy yeah, gas. Actually, not a happy it's gas. Like a, it's like a, it's either like an arsenic or a cyanide gas or something you, oh know, you don't want to breathe in. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not good stuff. So, but, but to use it, it's completely inert unless you catch it on fire, basically. Um, <laughs> so you, you, can, you can cut it however you want. You can roll the roller on it. And it's not going to deform like, you know, the sculpey wood by moving it around and whatnot. And right. if you did like a really thin plaster layer over it, it makes some really cool looking stones and bricks, um, you know, like a watered down plaster. You can even take your acrylic paint and you can go almost straight. I'd thin it down a little bit with the craft paint, but you can paint on it and that'll seal in the pores. And it's as long as people aren't touching it, you could use it all day long for structures. Oh, so, cool. uh, it, it might be something you want to experiment with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, that's cool. So, now, yeah. now we want to talk about ammo and their products. And you have uh, some oh, friends, yeah. I guess, at ammo. And you were so kind and generous, uh, and we appreciate that. I guess uh, you were familiar. We, we talked a lot about model, model uh, yeah, I guess, military modeling uh, products well, on our show. I, but, I heard you mentioned AK, AK a lot. Sure. And, you know, AK and ammo were kind of, you know, founded by the same guy, but the two companies don't get along. And, right. uh, and I, I really, really love ammo products. They're great. And so I figured, Hey, why don't I call up my buddies and get you guys some ammo to try it? Sure. And the guys are super nice. They're really good people there. And I'd love to, and you and I talked about that in the past, and hopefully maybe you can help me with that, and we'll talk about that off air. But, um, you know, I would love to be able to have the guys from AMO on. I've tried to reach out to yeah. other companies. I won't mention other companies but because uh, we don't do that here. But um, I would love to have, if, if possible, a guest with the AMO guys and talk about it because I feel, and Brett feels the same way, and we know that it's not the cheapest stuff in the world. We get that. Yeah, we, you but know, the effects it creates is, right. is awesome. Totally worth right. it. Right. And that's really yeah. what that's really what they're all about. You know? Right. Yeah. It. I'll tell you what. That military stuff it blows my mind. When uh, this ammo uh, product is used right. Oh right. my god. And the modelers that are out there doing military stuff, it's insane oh my what they're able to do. But I see mm-hmm. where applications of this are real beneficial for the. The model railroading scene, and and I know that Doug 
Fiscali is one of the first people that really introduced it commercially uh, through his website where he sold it um, and he sells it. But it, you know, but he also, you know, he is also one of the people that that helped prom- you know promote it and start getting it into this uh, into sure, this hobby sure. a little bit. And and I, but I, I don't, I I, I need to, I I like to see it catch more because I think it could really. And I'm not saying do your every square inch of your models. No. With, well, Not at all. You, you mentioned earlier tonight that you know you like to use a mix of that and craft paints and other products, um, and you have to. I mean, a modeler uses yeah. many resources, and I found that yep. if I use craft paints uh, and my AK, uh, especially the, um, the enamels, um, yep. because one's acrylic and one's enamel, when I use the enamels over top of the acrylics when I layer – um, I don't get I, the, the the I guess we use a mineral spirits um, yeah to sure. dilute them, but it doesn't affect the acrylics that are already down or dilute them, and which is great. That's exactly why you do it. Yeah. That's exactly and, why you do and, it. You know, if, so, if you if, go on. Oh, I was just, I was just saying that's that's why you do it. If you if you use oils or you use enamels over top of acrylics, you know, you use your, you use your all day long, you use your crafting right, yep. for all your fields, your big areas, you know? And yep. then you really, I, I use the ammo stuff for the weathering products, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. because you get so many amazing variations. It's not, it's so different than acrylic. And, and that's, a good, and I, I know you do the same thing with your rust washes, your, your stains, your, your mosses, your all those colors. Mm-hmm. It, it's something you you can somewhat do with acrylics, but you can't get those beautiful subtle edges and those layers. Uh, it's just it's right. It, it's unlike anything else, and that's how the military guys really get that top notch stuff because right. they're using a mixture of acrylics, oils, enamels, layering them on top of each other because they don't affect each other. Right and. I, I, we use it too for a lot for weathering that type of thing, um, you know, streaks and stains and rust and things like that. Um, I was start we started do, doing it and then we talked Jason into it, <laughs> and then yeah, and then Jason yeah. started building us. Then we created a monster. He loved it too. I said he's like, how do you like that, Todd? And I was like, we were talking you know, offline one day, and I was like, right. uh, I, I, I love it. I, this is what I do with it. I like to, you know, add these effects with it. And I said, Jason, you just get a few bottles and and you gotta try it. And uh, and he yep. did. And then he's like, Oh, this is the greatest stuff. This is awesome, you know. So uh, I'll but tell I, you one thing that gets everybody taught, Todd, mm-hmm. is the uh, like rust wash. Yeah, what they call rust wash, medium yep. rust wash. You put you put that on something, and I'll tell you right now, if you've never used any of these AK or ammo products. Right. Or, and you you use that, you will not go back. First of all, it lasts forever, and secondly, it looks so real. I yeah. mean, it, it it just not effect you can't easily get with acrylic. Huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and like I said, I, there's so many applications. I'd like to have one of the reps on, uh, or somebody. Maybe we can get uh, you know, Mig on there himself. That'd be amazing. And, uh, yeah. And sure. but. And talk to them about you know how this can be incorporated in on their professional level at their pro- with their products. I'd love to do that, and 
You sent this care package. I've been dying to open it since it arrived yesterday. Open it. And uh, I have my. I'm opening it now with my knife. And I think I think you got a few goodies in there. I, I think they're, they're specifically. I think they tried to gear them toward weathering. <laughs> okay. Right. Oh boy. Oh boy. There's a letter with our name on it. So I will. Uh-huh. I'm gonna hold the letter. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna hold off on the letter until until after the show, or uh, that'll be. So that's for you and me, Brett. And, okay. Uh, okay. And, but um, yeah. Um, so, and they want us to check it out and they want us to, uh, we will try these products. Oh, wow. Look at this. It's a, holy cow. I just moved the foam piece off the top. There is a pile <laughs> of stuff in here. Wow. Um, Brad, I'll have to take photos here for you tonight. Yeah, you have to send them to me. And, um, it's, uh, but yeah, definitely these are products that will, since you're sending to us, uh, they sent them out and they supply us with this we will make this uh as part of like we do with other things that are sent to us like this uh where we will use them on our models and on our shows and our live feeds to let people see how how these products are used how we are going to attempt to try and use these and um and that's our way to share this and give back so um uh but wow Let's, let's see first thing i pulled out here these are turfed, turfs light green and turfs middle green. They look like little tufts. Um, they are not paints at all. They are groundwork. They look like little grass tufts. And uh, yeah, wow, they, uh, that, I, I think it's like it's, a, it's it's like a mat. Like some of the Martin Wahlberg stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I we think have Martin, some of that too. Uh, he promotes ammo too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and these look a lot like these are like little. Uh, it looks like a uh, um um a tur- like a, a mat of some sort. I'll have to look into how that's used uh, precisely. But and then we have some ivy and a bottle. Okay, it's a a box with ivy in it, and it's uh, little ivy leaves. I guess we'll have to cut them out. Okay, um, I'm not familiar with these. Um, this, uh, we're going to have to definitely test them out. Maybe watch their videos. I'm sure he has a video out there on this stuff. And, um, and what we'll to read. And then the other one is called a nettle. And I guess it's some kind of a, pl- a tall plant. There's a photo of, I'll, you never I'll heard of a nettle. I, I you, mean, you never I, walked through a nettle. Nettles suck. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> They're I the have. worst plants guess, in oh. creation. Well, I've never seen them made for modeling. No, that's awesome and, uh, though. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. Um, okay, now you walk through them, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> you figure out really quickly what they are. We got some. We got four of these things. They are oil brushes. What's an oil brusher? Oh my god, they're so cool. I use them all the time. I have one. I've never I used have one. one I use constantly called uh, olive green, right? So. You know, if there was a green and it was called olive green, what do you think it would taste like? I think it would taste like olives. Don't you, Brent? <laughs> I do, uh, yeah. <laughs> olive green, it, it smells, I said last night, it smells like uh, pea soup. and It really does. It does. Yeah. Don't you ever think like, some, like paint should have a, a scent as well as a flavor? Yeah. I would buy more uh, paint yeah, you know, then. If they, if they did like... Scratch and sniff paint. Cool. <laughs> All of our so models would smell the, funny. The oil, oil brushers are used in a number of different ways. 
uh, I use a, there's an olive green that I use that you, you just, they, there's a little brush in that tube. It almost looks like some kind of makeup tube, right? And you just put little dots of that oil. It's actually an enamel like this. And you put little dots uh, on areas and then you wash it with your mineral spirits or your odorless thinner. And it just flows all over the model. It is gorgeous. I use it for moss all the time. If you saw any of those pictures of those uh, brick walls I did for um, uh, uh, the the brick monster, there's some moss on those walls. That's the olive green oil brush. But they, right. they make earth, earth colors and, and rust, yeah. and it, it's, it's fantastic. There is red primer, which is rust color. There We have mm-hmm. uh, okra. Is it okra? Okra? Ochre? Yeah, ochre. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dark mud yep. and earth is what we have here. And I just Very unscrewed cool. one and looked at it, and he's right. It's like a little paintbrush with a fine paintbrush uh, on a stick at the end of this thing. It fits yep. right down into the tube. It's so cool. But so. you just barely use any of that. You don't use it like a paint, right? Right. You, you just barely dab it on a surface and then you wash it. You can streak it down, which mm-hmm. is just like you would do with a rush wash. Uh, right. You streak it down and it fl- it's just gorgeous. Oh, cool. I can't wait really to try nice this stuff. out. We'll, I'll give some to Brett and we'll both try some of these. Definitely. So great. Definitely. Um, sure. uh, so, and then we have, so we have those four of those and we have, let's see, we have some bottles here. We have streaking rust effects. Um, mm-hmm. they're all by MO MIG and then some, um, uh, chipping fluid. Um, so heavy yep. chipping effects. So for, for, and, and you guys chipping. have used that, right? We uh-huh. have, yeah. Use that for doing shipping. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love that. And yeah. and uh, that's awesome stuff. And, and uh, I never have enough of that stuff. But by the way, when you put it on, it looks like soapy water. And um, and I don't know if it might be soapy water, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and then there's a dark wash. It's in here. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a dark wash, and and, and their washes work like kind of like the alcohol. Uh, and India ink wash, obviously the the different mm-hmm. colors, and they they really do flow fantastically. And right, it just gets into the nooks and crannies just where you want it, and then you can thin it out with thinner um, right. or mineral spirits and thin it out if you get a little bit too thick. But when it dries, it's just fantastic. Cool, Brett. I'll throw these your way because okay. I have two of these. But this is fuel stains and fresh engine ah. oil, and uh, mm-hmm. those are cool. And uh, I've used yeah. those already. Those are really, really awesome because they show, especially like on on a road or um, on a piece of concrete, um, like a garage floor, mm-hmm. and you can put a drop on and spread it out a little bit. I did that on a couple already uh, on on a on a road or even on a piece, a blacktop road. Um, it can be done that way, but then of course, uh, uh anywhere you have, uh, a garage or, um, or machinery and equipment and junk piles and things like that. These are awesome to do the bottoms of barrels. Uh, you yeah. know, you know, one thing you could do that's, that's really cool, Todd on the, on like on the tops of a barrel or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you want to take like a very, very fine, almost like a talc or even like a baking soda, put in there and then put the fuel 
in that it'll be like that. It'll look like that dirt that collects in standing oil. Oh yeah. Fuel. You, you will be amazed at how good it looks. It's fantastic. Oh, cool. Once again, all, all these things are really for your, your really fine details, close up mm-hmm. viewing stuff. Mm-hmm. So you really right. want to make it like photorealistic. Right. But, uh, yeah, fuel, fuel stains, oil stains, good, good stuff. We got a light rust wash, and uh, we've used mm-hmm. some rust washers before. They're awesome. And then we got uh, this thing called wet effects. And yeah. I, was, I was checking this out, and I have never tried this, but you can put it on like a like concrete, and it makes it look like the, it's wet concrete, and it just stays that way. Um, yeah, but it I'm, makes it look damp. It doesn't make yeah, it look damp. wet like shiny. Right, damp. It makes it look damp. So you're, mm-hmm. you're gonna, it's gonna darken up your material a little bit, right? right. So like, especially around your harbor, right? right? If you have rocks or concrete walls, yeah. you take that lower part of the wall, maybe get it a little dark, and then you put some of that that wet effects on it. It'll make it look like it was wet that started to dry out. Yeah. And but it doesn't make it shiny. It's amazing stuff. Cool, Brett. You got to give that a shot. I can't you're wait. You're working that. You're working that harbor now. That'll come in handy for that. So, Very. Well, I'll use that pretty so heavy. Cool. So and now we got you some know, pig, pigment powders. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying, like water. You know, I, I love doing water. Right. When water goes up against something, it doesn't stay there. A lot of guys will, or women, men, whoever's modeling, they'll they'll take and and put the water up against something. But they don't give like a damp line above it or a water right. line or salt line. You know, that happens on every harbor, you know, when it's right. especially salt water, obviously. You're going to have all those different lines. So you take that wet effect and you pull it up a little bit, and you guys are going to see it's like instant, instant, like damp look. It's and that's amazing. not just for you take a little bit, a little moth. That's not just for concrete. That's also for anything wood or anything in the water, really. You're going to have damp line yep, above yep. the water line. Yep. Yep. Everything. Everything. Concrete, stone, rock, wood, pipes, whatever it is. Definitely. Okay, so we have some pigments, by the way. They're modeling pigments. And I tried some of their make pigments already. I have a couple of them here. Mm-hmm. But, um, in fact, I'm out right now. Uh, but the uh, this metal slag, um, so that's like the, I guess that's like the, the metal... The metal, the blackened metal that, that's a it's right, on, right, yeah. It's it kind, kind of got a gray kind of, yeah, black kind of color. Yep, mm-hmm. sure. And uh, and then of course uh, pigment fixer. That's for the pigments themselves, I guess to to lock it in place. Or I, I'm not sure. I've never yep. tried pigment figure, fixer. But it is. But, it is okay. exactly what it's for. And then uh, of course there's polished metal and. Um, black, uh, sorry, brick dust and track rust. So we have a little bit of everything there. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Um, the so brick dust will come in handy with the brick monster. Oh, yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> so you want to make rotten brick? Yeah, it'll look There cool. you go. And we got these other boxes. Wow, I keep digging down. It keeps, there's more stuff here. Um, so there is, wow, these are sets. So there's a rust effects color set. Of uh, it looks like six bottles of um, these are acrylics, I believe, uh, and they have light rust, medium rust, dark rust, gold. I'm sorry, old rust, shadow rust, and chipping. So it has all those cool. different bottles. I don't have any of that. No, 
That's a, and it's got a picture in the back of the box. Well, we so, definitely oh, love so cool. we love our rust, rust, so that'll come in handy. We do rust a lot. Um, there's another box. It's called Tools Colors, and it has um, Bakelite, Gunmetal, Shadow. Now these are the bigger bottles, I believe. And these are all Mig, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. These are all still yeah, Mig. All ammo. Yep. Ammo. Ammo. Yeah. I'm sorry. Ammo. Oh, uh, these are <laughs> ammo. Yeah, yeah, it says ammo. No, no, these are acrylics as well. Okay, it's a whole yep. set of acrylics, and it has these are colors to color tools like shovels and axe handles, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so it's got new wood, light wood, old wood, shadow rust, gun metal, and bakelite. Hmm. So uh, that's cool. You have to, I'll give you that set, Brett, because uh, you. Uh, I have I have some of those already. So uh, for doing old wood and stuff like that for tools. Okay. So that'll be some of the same colors I have like that. So that'll be that'll be something for you to check out. I'm and then ready. I have this other set. These are also I guess these are all acrylics. This one is Urban Diorama colors, and it has dark rust gray, earth brown, stone gray, um, ochre brown and red primer light base so it's a mix of colors for doing brickwork and uh and brick and stonework it looks like to me that you would find in urban areas or industrial areas that's so cool yeah definitely so cool and each yeah. one of these sets has has like they have do videos for them and it, all you got to learn is the basic technique to use the different colors and the difference from you know, if you don't, if you just go at it yourself, you'll get some good results. But if you try to do their method of how they do it, oh my yeah. god, yeah, it, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. There's very you specific reasons. You know, I look. I, I was gonna say I look at the people that come up with these color sets and how they do this stuff. It's, I I have no idea how they figure it out. Like, <laughs> how do you how do you figure out how to make brick dust other than right. real brick dust? You know what I mean? Stuff right. like that. It's just oh my god, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, and and you know you watch them on those videos and they're doing uh, they're adding one color and then they stop and you're like oh okay and then they add like two more different shades in on top of that and they blend them in a way that makes it look like real wood, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's it's amazing. And when you're painting in small detail parts, a lot of them are you know cast metal or they are mm-hmm. plastic. And we all, we all have those in piles. And you know if you use just acrylic paints, they turn out okay. If you use your just craft acrylics, I mean we've all proven that. But then I've also taken some of these things, and I've and I've used them, and it really draws out like a plastic handle or a plastic. You know, something that's made of wood that's actually plastic. I painted it with these already, and it really helps draw the, uh, make it look like real wood. I mean, just by putting on a couple different kinds. So they have one color in there called it's called old wood. I think Mm -hmm. I think you read it off. That color is man is my goat. I love that color to make it like (laughs) a a wood that's been sitting out in the sun, not silvered. But like right. it's just getting that losing that initial sheen. Mm-hmm. It's that's amazing stuff. Lobster traps and stuff like that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. True. Yep. Oh, for lobster traps, that'd yep. be a great idea. I got plenty of them to work on right yeah, now. Yeah. Between the 
the Foss fishery and the um, the Bar Mills kit I'm working on. I must have four dozen lobster <laughs> traps to do. <laughs> I love lobster traps and buoys. I love those things. So like- I love the picture. I'm going to get off the topic of this real quick. I love the photo that you threw up uh, of the – it's on your main um, – the main site on thebrickmonster.com of that photo behind that building of all those lobster traps and nets stacked up. Yeah. And then the buoy is sideways laying on a rock. Do you know what I'm talking about? Me? No, my no, James. Oh, is he there? Is James there? He there, James? Hey, James. Uh oh. Picture. Yeah, I love. I love the photo on thebrickmonster.com of the. I'm not sure what building you did there, but on the backside of it, on the docks, you have like a pile of lobster traps and a whole bunch of nets and a buoy tip sideways. Man, that is just like, that's amazing. That, the pile of nets on top of the lobster traps, I love that. I love it. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, just a tool, you know, from uh, from probably Joanne Fabrics or something like that. (laughs) Right. A wedding veil tool. And I wanted to, Put, like usually you see everybody uses like brown nets. Yeah. But I wanted to use like the what looked like a the nylon uh like that orange, orange net. Yeah. So I, I used the orange, yeah, and I, I love it, it down a little bit to look like make it look like it was used cool. Um you know the one thing about that scene the 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 buoys are a little over scale. But I, once again that's something that I was trying to stress that point so I, I make them over scale. I I three D printed all those. Well uh, same thing with the lobster traps they're all three D printed. They look awesome. So I just Thank had you. to. I had to point that Thank out. Uh, we were talking about lobster traps, and that that came up as like a, 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 a exclamation point in my in my memory here of seeing that photo you threw up there because that is just that's a cool scene. There's a lot of detail, a lot going on in that scene. You got the boat, the buoy, that pipe coming out of the rock. You got a lot going yep. on there. So yep. it's just a cool. I I'm still cool working scene. on that. I I, I was making. Uh, I made used the brick monster and made chimneys coming off the roof of that building today. So I made a couple nice. chimneys. Nice. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that I guess if I do this new layout that I'm planning on doing, that's going to be uh, that that diorama is going to go into the layout. So um, it's going to have that kind of detail. It's going to look like that. Very so, cool. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm excited about it. So the last thing we got in the book here, in the in the box here, is some books. And it's one on, oh. called Modeling School. And it's got it's a it's a not really nice all color book. Uh, it shows how to uh, paint realistic trains, uh, railway modeling, and it has like box cars. It shows you how to how to weather and paint the trains to make them look cool. realistic. And you know, not not just the, you know, I guess right from the box, mm-hmm. and then you paint them up, and uh, it shows how to weather them. And then that's that's the one book. Let's see what the other book. I think. Oh, and then here's some scenery too. Uh, it does a little bit in the back of the book. It talks about scenery, um, oh, and that's, that's so cool. A cool. uh, rail, railroad scenery, like around tracks and such. And the other one uh-huh. is called the Weathering Special on Trains, and uh, it has oh, it looks like a lot of a lot more. It's like more of that weathering weathering train cars. So that's yeah. so cool too. You know, putting graffiti. Yeah, they, they're really trying to. 
really trying to to uh, you know that ammo is huge in Europe and there's some yeah. here in the states, uh, but they're really you know they know that there's model railroaders out here that you know once again a lot of us are just using acrylics and whatnot, right? And right. a lot of model railroaders aren't aware that you can do these kind of techniques to really kind of up your game almost, you know? Yeah. If you want, oh, yeah. You know, so. Uh, so they are they are specifically you know wanting to cater to some model rivers and especially us fine scale guys mm-hmm. you know that that really want to get in to do the detail you know oh so yeah I, I really I really thank Ammo for that they're, it's it's great that they're paying attention to us well that's that's good I mean and that's why I this I have a catalog the last thing here is a catalog it's a thick catalog it has all of their products in it which is just awesome i can't wait to check that out definitely and, and i appreciate you uh going on behalf of uh you know you're you knowing them and letting them know about us uh and of course uh we'd like to be able to talk with them we are and definitely get them gonna, on the show and we're definitely going to mess around with these products and um yep. give them a whirl in a bunch of different applications just to see and, what the, how they work for us in different in different settings so right and we'll, yeah, no, we'll no, want to no get doubt. back to them too yeah, and they really want to know, you know, what you think, and and they're they're they they're concerned about. Hey, we want to know: are they easy to use? Yeah, do you think mm-hmm. it looks good? You know, I mean, that's that's yep. uh, they're they're good people. And, well, definitely, and I really I really enjoy working with them. Walt, yeah, is uh, for Lane, sure. Lane Hale, is his name Lane Hamilton? Ian Ian Ian, Ian Hamilton. Ian Hamilton. Yeah, okay. he's he's the director of uh, uh, Ammo USA. Okay. And uh, his letter inherited, he's got, and uh, I want to definitely talk with him. I'd like to meet, I'd love to be able to have him on the show. So if we can get him on, that'd be fantastic. Or if we can get MIG uh, on as well, that'd be fantastic too. Um, because I think think there's a lot of avenues we can open up oh, yeah. to, to model builders in the model railroading world definitely. or in the diorama, HO scale diorama, or any scale diorama. Um, builders oh, yeah. like we are structure builders and things like that. So, um, yep. but yeah, yeah. Well, Our, thank you so much. Well, I mean, it was generous and yeah. totally oh, unexpected I mean, too. Hey, I'm a patron. I'm yes, a patron. you are. Oh, come on, and appreciate that. <laughs> because you're a patron. We're going to do that. It's yeah. a, that's a nice yeah. segue. We're going to wrap up this week's show with our patron questions. And because you're a patron, you have access to this in the future as well. But it'd be weird if you asked yourself a question. So. Uh, you I know, do, I do constantly. I do constantly. <laughs> well, we don't need to discuss Why that. Why am I doing this? We don't need to dig into <laughs> those doing? issues. No, I'm just. We all talk to ourselves. Um, but uh, we have a couple questions from our patrons, um, and anyone who's not a patron has access once you are a patron to ask any of our guests questions, or when we, when it's just my dad and I, we have we'll throw a request out for topics. So we're gonna um, go through these. Uh, questions here as a wrap up and then we'll call it an evening because it's been a long night with you and we appreciate all the time you've spent with us so yeah, it's uh, uh, going on 11 15 here that's fun i know it's <laughs> we're on east coast <laughs> time cow. we're this east coast time one of yeah, our right. shows, man. so um eight 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 o'clock here so eight eight fifteen oh yeah wow all right yeah, so yeah, it's great though thanks for bringing me on guys. we appreciate sure, it really appreciate glad it. to have you on it's great so we're gonna go into our First question here. It is uh, from Ron Piskel. Do you have any other cool modeling tools like the Brick Monster on the horizon? And if you if well, you don't yeah, want to disclose like, them, like, you don't have to. No, that's cool. I, <laughs> there's no there's no secrets. You know, like like I mentioned, we talked about doing a, 
manhole covers, oh, sewer yeah. grates, uh, maybe roads, different types of walls. You know, once again, it's not our model. Our model railroad company is not our main business. It's it's just kind of as we do it. Right. Uh, we have the ability to do it. So um, yeah, absolutely. And and I'd love if anybody's got ideas for types of texture rollers and whatnot. I'd love to hear about it because uh, I, I definitely want to integrate that. Uh huh. Um, this next one is from Scott Horgan. How do you like to do stucco if you're ever going to do stucco on a structure? Is there have you done that much, or is there a specific technique you would use to do stru- to do stucco? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually posted a picture yesterday. I think Todd was talking about it mm-hmm. that uh, pet food building. Uh, you know, I, I generally do it over top of some kind of stone wall that's already done, or a brick wall that's already been done, and then I would use I just use spackle. Okay. I mean, I know there's products out there specifically to do it, but I, I'll take a very small, the smallest paint uh, trowel, paint knife, um, a palette knife that I can get. I mean, literally like one inch long, you know, with the little diamond tip. And I'll get in there with my optimizer and, and put that on the wall. I've never had any problems with spackle not wanting to stick to materials. Nice. So I'll use that, but then I also think about you know, how would, if I was a little HO scale person, how would I trowel it on? You know, you want to make sure you get those, those swiping directions right and, and not have big re- repetitive motions that look like they're fabricated. You right, know? right. Uh, but definitely I would just, I would use spackled and I'd break some off because I love the exposed brick look. That looks awesome. That looks incredible. Uh, when you're, when, when that's finally done, yeah, totally. it always looks awesome. Yeah, it totally does. So I would paint my bricks first. Then do the spackle over it, you know, do mortar. If you're going to fill in all your bricks, then do spackle. Um, and uh, then break out some of it. Uh, with Once it dries a little bit, uh, chip it out with your, you know, whatever, your your uh, paint palette or whatever, not your palette, but your uh, your knife mm-hmm. um, or your uh, rate, uh, your exacto knife. And, uh, and, and, and do that. I mean, it's just easy. Spackle's cheap. It's not a, you know, you don't really, I, a lot of companies, like I say, they make mortar and spackle products, but they're, uh, products for stucco but i've never i've never used them never had to yeah uh, i think spackle is great yeah yeah for us when we do any kind of stucco we like to use the derms water putty um sure it, it's cheap and it's really easy to work with and uh i don't know if you ever worked with that that's one of my favorites oh yeah i have so. i have uh, the only thing i don't like about it i, I mean it, it it works great just for me, sometimes the grain seems it seems a little bit grainy. Yeah. Like it looks a little heavy. It does, uh, you know. But it works good. You got to be careful can, with it. You can chip it out. It looks awesome, you know. So, yeah. yeah, and it dries. Water, it dries hard as a rock. Years. <laughs> Heck yeah! It'll never. Well, it's called rock <laughs> hard water. Buddy. What do you expect? <laughs> right, right? Yeah, exactly. It's got a picture yeah, of a make really. Sure you do any cracks? Make sure you do any cracks before it dries. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're not gonna get it. That stuff. That stuff. I think I'm gonna seal my driveway with it in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, the next one is from Jake Johnson, um, who's got an imagination that's just as wild as all of ours. Um, as a modeler, sure. what did you learn or observe as a result of owning the San Juan Central? So, like, what was your big takeaway from, uh, from all the work you did with it and all like the I time say, owning it? Well, one thing that I thought was really, really cool, and it was very unique for the 80s when he built it, is he used a lot of foam scenery. 
Mm-hmm. That just really wasn't being used in the 80s very much. Uh, it, it was a lot of hard shell, you know, like when when Westcott, I think he, he came up with the hard shell technique. Right. Uh, it, 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 so there was a lot of foam because he wanted to be able to move the thing around, which was really cool. But it's all about really, and this is the same what goes with me, when you set up a scene, it's about your composition. Um, you want that. I talked to uh, Jason the other day about this, Jason Jensen. Uh, it's about the composition and taking pictures and how you lay things out. And that entire layout was built around composition for photos. So anywhere you go on that layout, you could see that there's going to be a great photo if you take one. Um, you know, using uh, S curves to draw your eye in or, mm-hmm. you know, foreshortening or, or um, selective compression uh, or uh, just making stuff smaller in the background. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, that's uh, he used a lot of that. And, right. and he took his mountains that were in the back and he sprayed them lighter gray. So they look like they were farther away. I always use that in my modeling. I know Jason talked about that. He uses that in his buildings way in the back. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, things gonna, things are going to get much grayer farther away. And he used a lot of that. And it, he had one, there's one hill on there that looked like it was a snow capped peak and it was, you know, a foot away from your face, but seen through a lens, uh, even to the naked eye, it, it looked excellent. So really that's, that's what I learned from that was his composition is foam. I certainly didn't, did not learn how to light track from him, uh, or wire the track <laughs> <laughs> or solder, but, uh, man, it was, he was using, there was all plastic kits on that thing. And they look, huh. you know, you, you look at it and you go, holy crap. They were all yeah. plastic. There wasn't wood kits on there. Yeah. He just did a great job. He just knows how to color things. Uh, nice. Very, once again, very similar to Jason. You know, he just, he's an artist. Yeah. Right? yeah. So yep. Yep. an artist and, and he just knows how to color things. And that's really what I, I really took away from that. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one is kind of a two-parter from Matt Hankins. Um, Who's, he's very local to where the old San Juan used to be located. So um, this mm-hmm. isn't really a question. It's just a statement that I want to put out there from Matt. Um, he was saying that for some years, the San Juan was located at Paul's Model Railroad store, which we talked about, yep. in New Oxford. And he yep. he remembers going yep. there and seeing it. Just another one of his inspirations. Matt is an awesome modeler. He, we've had him on the show. We've met him in person. We've seen him. He's his, also a historical restoration he's, he's guy. He's a historical so he restoration like, dude. He does Oh, that, really? Yeah. He does that Full in scale. Washington, D.C. and some of the... <laughs> Some of the historic buildings and stuff He's like got that. Yeah, very cool job working with historic buildings. Um, yes, that's cool. And he does awesome yeah, that's really work. Cool. And he carries a lot of that into his work. So this kind of that 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 statement there goes into his next question, and it makes sense of why he's asking it because he takes a lot of what he does and puts it into his buildings. Um, so he's asking for you to just discuss the overlap between your professional work with prop and scenic work and how you interlay that into model railroading and how each has improved or grown your work for the other. So do you kind of take skills from either and push them into the other? 100%. Absolutely. You know, I do what I do because of model railroading. Um, It's kind of funny. You talk about architectural restoration. We do some of that with our, with our CNC and our robot router. Mm -hmm. Uh, We make architectural details for companies, but uh, yeah, I mean, starting with, uh, just how things were colored and whatnot when I was a little kid and doing scenery. A lot of that has evolved from the movie or the effects industry through people like John Olson, who was an Imagineer, 
right right bringing that into model railroading uh it, it, it there's so much carryover uh coloring and making it look good is the same in ho scale as it is in 48th or 35th or full size right. environments that we do um obviously there's some things we do in large scale that we have to do differently in small scales right. but a, a lot of the techniques you know one technique that that I learned in model railroading, which was vinegar and steel wool, right? To uh, to weather wood, you know, you take vinegar, uh, you you put steel wool in it, uncoated steel wool, you let it sit for about a week, it gets rust in there. Then you take that and you, you brush it onto things like basswood, really basswood, it works great, mm-hmm. uh, not so much balsa, and it will naturally gray out that wood, and it looks amazing. The more coats you put on, the darker it gets, and it, it's real because it looks real. It's, it's doing the same type of process. Right. We use that exact same technique in large scale, you know, to take take wood and put vinegar and steel wool on the wood and uh, the liquid and and weather it. Uh, so there there are things that are complete crossovers. Some things are different, uh, but most of it's the same, just in a larger scale. Right. So. Uh, uh, so I, 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 they go hand in hand for me. I mean, it is, it is really the same thing. Right. And I'm sure it's a lot of, um, you know, you'll see something being done over here and then you're like, Oh, I could do that over there or uh, vice versa. And you just oh, take, yeah. you take little tidbits from each and you, and you wedge them into the other side. Like, uh, for instance, we did a, we did this barn for a, a full scale barn for a, 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 a minor league ball. Uh, play uh, uh, stadium. Nice. And the barn, we needed to weather it, so we went and went, you know, went from the bottom and made it dirty at the bottom and weathered it up, you know, and put moss on it, whatnot. And that's exactly what we would do in small scale. Mm-hmm. You know, is exact same uh, chipping, chipping the boards, uh, using cans of hairspray <laughs> spray onto boards, and then just like you would do with chipping fluid, you know, and then put paint over it and, and wet it and scrub some of it off it's the exact same thing cool nice nice um the next two we already covered but i just want to throw them out there because they threw them out as questions uh the one was from dan banks was um what became of the san juan and we already talked about that and also was from chris galvin uh what is the backstory on how you acquired malcolm's layout um and we 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 just covered those we talked about that Yep. One one thing that people may not know is that the San Juan in 1984, 1985 was given away by Model Railroad Magazine as a grand prize to a sweepstakes. Oh wow! Right. So you went, you win the sweepstakes, you, you won the San Juan. Well, the guy that won it didn't want it. <laughs> He's like, "What am I going to do with this layout?" I, I remember when they did that. That yeah, sweepstakes yeah. thing. Now. <laughs> yeah. So, so what it's all full circle now. The guy that, Totally. The guy that owned Paul's had a live steam locomotive. And the guy said, I'm going to, I'll trade you my San Juan Central for the live steam locomotive. Oh my gosh. And that's how it ended up at Paul's. Huh. So, you know, live steam yeah. is not cheap. So it, it traded yeah. for a lot of money, you know? Oh, so, sure. um, that's awesome. Yeah. And now it's, now it's in a museum. So it's, it's definitely a cool piece. Now it's behind some plexiglass. That's, that's just crazy. Yeah. And now we're sitting here talking it's, to you about the whole the whole backstory. Yeah, but thanks on it. to James. Yeah. Thanks to James and his friend who helped restore it to where it can be at that point. That's what I meant. Which is now awesome. now yeah. we're all full we're all full circle here tonight 
and we're hearing from James about the whole story of how it became yeah. where it is now. That's just it's incredible how it all works out. That's that's awesome. And I was that was before yeah, I was it, even it, born. Cool. So you know, I I don't even I'm acting yeah. like I remember it. I wasn't even a thought in my dad's brain yet. So uh, Malcolm Malcolm was the man, man. His stuff, yeah. God, it was so good. That's Malcolm too cool. Was, I built my I layout. I built my layout, not like his, but I used his book for ideas because it was a whole book on how to build the, you know, the San Juan Central, and yep. I got ideas yep. from that book to build mine. Oh, it, it was much different, but you know, he was a huge inspiration. That was before I even knew about George Selyus. It was all Malcolm sure. and then sure. John Allen, hmm. and uh, yep. you know, yep. I was just yeah. There's, there's also right mid eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right, right there with uh, with uh, the San Juan Central, they have a bunch of parts from John Allen's Gorian Defeated that didn't burn right. up or that kind of burned. They have them there at the museum also with San Juan Central. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's so cool. Nice. All right, we have our last question of the night, and then we will wrap up this week's episode. This one is from Dan Banks. What are some of the products that you use in the professional world that us model railroaders need to explore? So is there something that, um, you know, as a, as a large group, model railroaders don't, don't necessarily use that you, that you do use um, for your full-scale builds that you would recommend us trying out? That, that foam we're trying to get rid of? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there, there's uh, some other foams from Precision Board uh, okay. made by Coastal Enterprises that are really cool. Um, as long as you don't cut it with a hot really wire. Really awesome to carve. That's exactly right. You don't want to cut that stuff with a hot wire. Um, we use the white bead foam all the time, which I know a lot of modelers use. We, we buy in four foot by four foot oh my by gosh. eight foot blocks. We, we, yeah, we used to use that stuff. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, So I got to ask a question of you, and this will be my last question of the evening. How the hell do you keep sure. that white bead foam from just making it look like your entire basement is full of snow and it's in, up in the rafters and everywhere? You don't. You uh, don't. You, it's just, you it just comes with a lot. It just comes with it. You, 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 you sweep and vacuum every day, and you have dust collection systems, and that's it. I mean, okay. it, it is just as messy at our shop as it is with you. I, my dad and I 100%. haven't had white bead foam in our basement for th- two or three years now, and I still find yeah. white beads everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, yeah. 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 We, we're, we're, so, we're so used to it. It's, I don't uh, – yeah, I would probably use it. I'll probably use it on this next layout. It it will. does it does um, work well for carving scenery. Um, yeah, it's just so messy, man. It's crazy. It is messy. It is messy. It does you work know, the well though. The blue stuff and the pink stuff is really good. The blue stuff and pink stuff is cool. Yeah, I, I love that using that knife. extruded foam. Uh, yeah. I'm just really sold on it, just for the mess factor. But the Not cost, just the mess factor. The, when you carve it, even if you don't have a, even if you don't have that hot knife. Um, if you carve it with a, a, a regular blade, now it dulls that blade quick. Yeah. But if you use a yeah, if you use a um, a box cutting knife of some kind and sure. carve it, you sure. can get really nice shape out of it. And but uh, the cost oh, of the, the cost yeah. of the white foam though is is way cheaper. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially when you get forty yard containers. I'm sure. Full of it with crap <laughs> constantly. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, uh, yeah, but the, the foams, the foams, we use a lot of foams. I mean, 
Uh, we also use things called epoxy sculpt by Aves <laughs> and by Smooth On. A lot of Smooth On products. Okay. Um, uh, like that are it's sculptable epoxies that you could easily make rocks and things out of. Uh, but uh, you know, we use what we use in model railroading because it's available. You don't have to go to specialty companies. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, so uh, uh, so I think most of the stuff we use in model railroading is great. I, I really. You know, I I wouldn't probably move into other than foam stuff. I wouldn't move into uh, much different. Right, right. Yep. Nice. So, well, that wraps up our patron questions. Um, and then I think we'll kinda, you said, well, we're gonna get, we're gonna throw one old feature in before we leave, and that is music. He mentioned it. he listens to music when he works, and it, it zones him in. What what kind of music have you been listening to? Just recently, I am so a huge fan of yes. Tool. I, I'm ah, a huge Tool. Fan of the band Tool. Oh, yeah. All right, huge, I can. Huge Tool he's a metalhead like that. I can get down with that. Uh, I I like a lot of stuff. I mean, my daughters are into things like Twenty One Pilots and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I listen to that too. But uh, I'm a huge uh, Maynard from Tool. He's got a band called Pussifer. I listen to all the time. Mm-hmm. A Perfect Circle, uh, Black Keys. I love the Black Keys. They're really good. Um, all yeah, right, uh, all right. but a lot of a lot of Tool, I, and I got to meet the guitarist from Tool last year, which was really <laughs> cool. He was, I was doing a booth. I was at a, a show in uh, L.A. and I was at my booth, and uh, we had a for our for our company. And I look up, and there's Adam Jones staring at our work, and I was just like, "Holy crap! Wow! Yeah. I need a picture of you." And he said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and the lead singer. The, the lead singer of Tool, he uh, he literally lives a stone's throw from Dave Meek's shop. Like, oh my gosh! You could literally walk outside of Dave Meek's shop and throw a stone and hit Maynard's house. He's oh wow! Point. He's literally oh, across so cool. the street. Crazy, <laughs> yeah. All right. But, yeah. Well, it's good to hear your okay. your your music. I've been listening to some Metallica this week, and uh, and some Theory of a Dead. I made a treehouse for him. Oh, did you? I made a treehouse for, what's, for, for yeah, what's, James what's Hetfield. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we made two Oh, of that's them. awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Long time ago. That's yeah, too cool. cool. Oh, is awesome. He's a fa- that's a favorite of mine. Huh. Is, uh, I like Beastie Boys. boys. Uh, like, oh, yeah. We're both. Oh, my God. I told Brett the other night, Beastie Boys and, and Metaga are two of my ultimate favorite uh, music types or music groups. Listen so, to it all the time. Yeah. Like, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yep. yep. Uh, Brett, I was listening to a bunch of uh, old saliva the last week. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah, I don't know. I got into the mood. I was nineties rock. Yeah, I had it yeah. on like my shuffle, it's and I was like, ah oh, man, I haven't listened to them in ages. So I threw them on and I've been <laughs> playing them on my shuffle. Cool. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about listening to music while I'm working. Uh, Me all too. About it. Me Singing too. along. Yep. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Got to. Well, sir, we're going to wrap this up, and, and it's been a pleasure having you on. I, I'd like to get you on again sometime because oh, yeah. I think there's a lot more we can sure, cover. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, yeah. We love having. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd love to. On, I'd love to talk know? about some some techniques and stuff like that. I think Clearly that'll definitely that would be fantastic. Our next our next one we have yeah. you on will be a we'll make it a more of a specific less of less of the history of James and more of the uh, we'll get into some techniques and. Uh, Maybe some yes. some weathering or some some structure or whatever we want. Actually, whatever whatever it is, we'll figure out the theme. But it'll be a technique. Yeah, sure. It'll be a technique based episode. I'd, be, I'd love that. That'd be great. 
Sounds so, good. Great. Awesome. Do me a favor and send me a photo, uh, one of your nice photos that you have, um, of or a photo of you and yourself. Uh, we like to put it up as our as our art for the show, and uh, sure. we put it up as a, you know the cover art from when mm-hmm. we pump it out there because this will be all over. I'm going to share it on every group on Friday, so uh, but Sweet. so people can go to it and check it out. But if you could shoot me uh, a photo that you'd like me to use, that'd be fantastic. Um, so, um, that's it. I mean, that's a wrap and it's late, but, uh, we had a great time. This is maybe the longest we've ever done. It's uh, a long one. (laughs) Not a bad one. It's great. Hopefully hopefully people don't turn it off. No, I don't think so. Our, our we, listeners we haven't had a guest in a while, so there'll be this is this is awesome. Our so. listeners love the long ones, cool. so yeah. all right, well, guys. Sir, thank you so much for having uh, for being here and being our guest, and uh, we wish you a, a good evening and yep. happy modeling. All right, you guys got to get to bed, so I'll, I'll talk <laughs> to you guys later. All right, all right man. Have all a right. thank. Have a good one. Thanks, guys, and thank you for tuning right. in.